Hello everyone, welcome to the Lavender Menace podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Renaissance Marie. I use they, she pronouns. I am an Aries. I am tired. I am menstruating. I am... Uh, I'm a senator. I'm a wife. (laughs) You know. (laughs) A millennial. Yeah, I am a millennial with anxiety. Uh-huh. <laughs> Speaking of millennials with anxiety, someone who was like really mad at me in TikTok comments for something completely stupid, like really inane, called me a millennial like as a way to insult me. And they were nineteen, so and I was funny. like, "Okay, so who's gonna who's gonna tell them?" Anyway, That's so <laughs> the funny. um, hello, my name. <laughs> they were like, Ugh, "You're such a bitter millennial," and I'm like, "Okay." Okay. Even like, <laughs> yeah, even though me. you don't um, say your age on the internet, I don't think anyone would call you a millennial. Like that just feels so, especially since millennials yeah, now are who, in their thirties. Who looks at you and is like thirty? Exactly. That that's a twenty nine yeah. year old. Like who thinks that? Ugh. Anyway, my name is Sunny. I'm definitely not a millennial. <laughs> <laughs> I use they she pronouns. Um, and oh wait, I think my headphone. Wait, no, okay. Um, and, uh, oh, I'm wearing a necklace right now that says our love lasts so long, and I handmade it at a Swifty necklace making night, and that is the reality I live. Um, and if you don't know what our love lasts so long means, I'm going to need you to listen Especially, to the rest of our podcast, like every yeah. single episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because I swear to God, we mention it every single time. Because it's a reference to, well, first of all, the line in Seven by, uh, by Taylor Swift in Folklore. Um, but not only that, but it's a reference to an article based off of that line in, or based off of Seven in Folklore that's titled Our Love Lasts So Long. That talks about the queerness of Taylor Swift and about the queerness of like womanhood and young and like girlhood and how as a young girl the sort of attachments and the love that you feel for other girls um is like so pure and like queer in many ways but we're expected to grow out of it and to go into grow into adulthood where we can abandon those parts of ourselves the same way that for a lot of people who like love taylor swift (laughs) people were kind of expected to at a certain point like grow out of it and like you know stop relating to her music or, or or like loving her as like a pop icon but it's like you know Mm, it, our love does last so long it's just it's not gonna go away no matter how annoying you think it is the same way that um uh, like you're you're in um you know your your braids like a pattern love you to the moon and to saturn you know like come on you get it you well, get it yeah. <laughs> on in the context uh, of the podcast it's just become a shorthand to mention all those things so when we talk about either Exactly. Our love for Taylor Swift, or the queerness of girlhood, or very intense uh, friendships. We just say our love lasts so long, uh-huh. and then we know. Love we know, exactly. We know exactly. what we know. we're saying. We it's a it. part of that part of the lore uh-huh. of the podcast. It really is part of the one gay of the foundational lore. texts. Exactly, putting putting the lore in gay lore. Into gay lore, putting putting the lore into folklore, like <laughs> exactly, exactly uh, that article. So there's oh layers, there's layers to that phrase. Indeed, we're just inserting um, so, ourselves into Taylor's discography. <laughs> no, that. it's true. Like it's really, 
it's, I think I think it's allowed. Um, so today, like in every episode of this podcast, we're going to be talking about first a hot take that we've seen floating around the internet or that you guys sent to us. But this week, like last week, no one fucking goddamn sent us a fucking uh, hot take. So that's on you. And so we're going to discuss yeah. something that just we happen to stumble across um today and then the second part of the podcast is us discussing a shared piece of media together and surprise surprise we're going to be talking about taylor swift and the third (laughs) part of the podcast we will be recommending media to each other um so that's 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 the gist of things yeah okay so Mm -hmm. i'm gonna start off by explaining the take that i saw on tiktok like yesterday and it fucking boiled my blood it made me so goddamn mad and <laughs> and now i can't find the tiktok or like the the user of the person because they privated their account um because people like me were getting mad in their comments obviously um but this it had it, by the time oh this reminds me of the like a couple back in season one we were talking about that one tiktok that was about like how western gayness and eastern uh-huh. east asian people are like not seen oh yeah 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 as the same but when like, we were trying to we're like five degrees removed from like the yeah. tiktok the thread the actual take uh-huh. and that's like anyways <laughs> if you listen to that episode it's like part two of that and that we <laughs> i also didn't see the original tiktok so i'm going to respond yeah. to be responding and reacting to Sunny's response and reaction of a TikTok exactly. that they also cannot find. Yes. So no, exactly. It's my it's my interpretation yeah. of this. Yeah. And so now they're you're Our getting rendition Renaissance's of live reaction of yeah. this. Yeah. So basically, the take was, and it looked like this person was pretty young. They 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 definitely like South Asian and um uh I don't know their pronouns, but anyway, this it just like a dude. Just a little fucking dude, okay? That's <laughs> was basically being like, "Hey, so actually, we need um we need to abandon quote unquote the white man's communism, something along those lines." Or like when people are like, "Oh, oh, white communists or communism is so bad, evil, and annoying." It's like, "Yeah, you're right. That's why we should go like we should abandon that and look to the real real communism, which came about way before Marx even ever like." created any ideas of that within um like indigenous societies where there were um shared resources and um like equal gender roles and whatever um and we don't need that sort of we don't need that the communism of like the Karl Marx or or whatever and also Something, something along the lines of that and it's like oh it's like white and western and that can be abandoned and when we can look in turn to these other these societies that existed long before these colonial kind of constructs or ideas came into existence it was sort of the take which i've seen many times over the course of the internet um since i've been on the internet um and been in like leftist marxist spaces but there, I was looking through the comments as well because I was just so fucking baffled at this take and how deeply it misunderstands what Marxism even is. Um, and it, it's like when it's like when you it's a game of telephone where you heard from someone 
that they heard from someone else, that they heard from someone else, that they one time read on Wikipedia that Karl Marx once said that he wrote in the, you know what I mean? Like, it's very much yeah. doing that when people have hot takes like that. And someone well, respond, someone's comment was like, I think we should call communism, instead of communism, we should, it should be communalism. Because, well, and I was like, ah! like literally shrieking shrieking crying throwing up in my head because i was like what do you think words mean like literally what like i left like maybe eight comments being like so actually this is why this is wrong and like i'm like i'm not getting notifications on it anymore because the person privated their account but like and then people were responding being like yeah no you're right and I was like thank god that I'm not like I'm not just gonna I'm not in a fucking sea full of idiots but again this TikTok had like more than 30,000 likes and probably at least 100,000 views and it's like what is what like why do people insist on talking out of their ass like for no reason what how does this benefit you Ugh. anyway what were you gonna say I forgot. Um, oh, goodness. There was something. You must have addressed it, because I forgot. My brain checked it off for some reason or another of, okay, do not need to do uh-huh. this. But, on mm-hmm. a different note, oh, it it was about, like, communism should be called communalism or something, and I'm just like, <laughs> like, the, the linguistic student in me is like, Like, yes, semantics matter, but (laughs) truly, you are not moving. Like, that is like, if A equals C and B equals C, then A equals C. Like, you're not changing anything. Like, that that doesn't... And also, in terms of, like, actual communism, it isn't, Uh like, what happens at the end of the day is that, like, people are housed. That people are not killing Mm -hmm. or existing. That people are not exploiting. Call it what you will. This is just how, like, we can... can, Like, literal communication. So that, like... I know what you're talking about when you say I'm a communist. I'm expecting certain right. things from you, certain ideals, some certain exactly or whatever. It it doesn't fucking matter. I mean, don't call it like what terms or something. But yeah, but yeah. like because that means know, words mean things. Yes, words mean things. And like, also, like, communism and has a history to that word. So then to just uh-huh. be like, oh, I'm gonna take this and anyways that but that's a minor and just be point. like oh we but it's also just like but you ugh, to, to think of communism as this thing in which it's all about small separate communities and entities existing separate of each other and supporting mm-hmm. themselves it's like that is not how the world works there's no way to return to that point there's no way to go to a like i mean as much as i hate colonization and globalization and neoliberalism there's no way to go back to a point where people's cultures are not so fucking intermingled together that like we like neither of us have any sort of connection to our (laughs) to like our like a sort of indigenous languages and like tongues and the way you know the way that people not even three generations before us were speaking because of how history works like we can't you can't return to that place and also it would totally it would totally erase the existence of so many people because like because like the reason why a lot of these communities were allowed to exist in the ways that they were was because there was just such minimal contact with other types of people like you it, it was one race ethnicity like religion and that was what ruled this community of maybe 1000 2000 
4,000 people and like that's how it like oh my god and it's also so fetishizing of the idea of like pre-colonial indigenous communities which are, were not universally equalizing or or in any way sort of like general quote-unquote communist or what you think communism is like like in ancient fucking china pre-colonialism women were still oppressed like what are you fucking talking about like just because you th you've heard and you know that in some cultures like um in, in some cultures and in some communities like um post-colonialism has like colonialism has really deeply affected the way that gender and race has you know interacted with those communities and groups that doesn't mean that before colonialism arrived there wasn't harmful gendered and racial categories within that group like it, it's just not it, it's not realistic to just conceptualize it in that way and that was one of my first issues with it and that sort of rhetoric of like we don't need the white man's whatever who is saying you need the white man's whatever no one's like the point is not to apply your European philosophy to seek liberation, but rather that this ideology has been used for liberation and been effectively used for liberation throughout history. And like, it's not even supposed to be something that like worship is worships a single person, but rather it's a fucking, it's a science that you apply to it. It's the, it's the first like Marxism in itself is the first time in which history and like the study of human beings in how we interact with each other was approached on a scientific level. Like that's why we have quote unquote the humanities is because of the, the like out of academia within like Europe, like they were like, okay, we're, we're it's the enlightenment. We're, we're studying these things about science and we're making, you know, uh, these objective observations about the world and someone some fucking you know Hegel and Marx and whatever are like you know what if you look throughout the course of human history we can see that all of the all of human history is about class struggle and this is how this analysis can be applied and this is how the course of history has gone and how it's going to go it's not like it's what like what do you think communism is what do you think marxism is do you think that someone is just giving you like a pamphlet and telling you this is what you need to do because you heard the term the communist manifesto one time what the fuck mm, anyway like <laughs> those are those are those were like my main gripes with it initially that i immediately thought of where it was just like where it's just like oh oh you're so wrong in so many ways and i can't even begin to try to explain this to you and you're probably 16 anyways but it's like what <laughs> oh anyway this is reminding me of uh you already know that this happened but the listeners don't in mm -hmm. or maybe when did we start this <laughs> i can't remember <laughs> but um and when I was taking the African-American studies class and my professor was like, a lot mm -hmm. of black people disagreed with communism because they didn't want to listen <laughs> to the white man's philosophy or like mm -hmm. they just saw Marxism mm -hmm. as another white man's philosophy that led them to the oppression that they were already facing. And it's like, what do you mean that large sections of the black community rejected communism? Who is or they? Like, <laughs> yeah, one who is they and like, it, it that w I was just like, but it, it, God, I, it, <laughs> this this moment that, that's just not like, true. There's so many oh, God. degrees and ways in which it is wrong, or so many like it's mm -hmm. so far removed from maybe like what they once heard or whatever what they do now. Yeah, that there's yeah. not even a way to 
approach correcting it because you would have to yeah. unravel it from so many different yeah. directions at once. Like, literally, like, yeah. me, you, three of our other mutuals all speaking at the same time on various points to yes. undo that. That, like, it, like uh-huh. as one person, you just kind of, like, right. shut down There's too it. many things to say at once because it's, yes. like, Oh my god, I'm so, which is why I like I'm pulling up this I sent you the tweet that was if you like if you go on my Twitter at a study booknook and like go through the media, I'm sure you can find the screenshot of, of this. But <laughs> where where I was like directly quoting the person being like white man's communism, like what do you communism, which is Marxism Leninism, right? It's just mm-hmm. it, communism is the colloquial term for Marxism and Marxism Leninism. And Marxism Leninism is the ideology that you know Thomas Sankara, from everyone from him to fucking Fidel to Mao to what, whomever have like led effective revolutions in Burkina Faso, China, Cuba, Vietnam, etc. When like in the face of colonialism and capitalism and to this day, so like what do you think? And I was like, huh, this primitivism, quote unquote, as quote unquote communism is not like what you think you know and it's also like indigenous mm-hmm. people not a monolith of complete gender economic and racial freedom and that rhetoric is really chauvinist and fetishistic because this person was also saying oh my god like we need to get rid of the like a white man like chauvinist sort of like rhetoric or ideology within these spaces which is like i understand because obviously there are male and white chauvinists in every organizing space because of how white supremacy and patriarchy works but the problem is not (laughs) again the problem is not that these individuals exist it's that these systems these systems exist that enable these individuals to have power that they do anyways like and then and then another point that i made was like the whole point is that Marxism Leninism is a science. Like Karl Marx knew and understood that he was not making shit up. Like he was not making a new idea. You can, mm-hmm. if you've read anything he's ever written, you would know that he's not thinking, guys, I'm a fucking genius because I came up with the best idea for society. That's not what yeah. communism is. Yeah. That's not what Marxism is. It's looking well, at history and being like but, on a material level. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the liberification, the liberalism of looking at communism yeah exactly it's really like when um uh, just like people in general assume that how like if someone has bad intentions they assume that everyone got to a certain conclusion via bad intentions even if the person that they're like projecting Mm -hmm. on did not and it's kind of how liberals look at communism is that they Uh how liberals treat other people that they make like great men's of history like churchill uh-huh. or even the liberalization yeah. the liberalism of rosa parks or even martin luther king jr or like whoever. angela davis or whomever exactly yeah. they apply they view them as these that, symbols yes they they apply that to how communists of today or just how communism works and how they view the scientists of that field as just these single great men geniuses like they Mm -hmm. like the way that you know the civil rights movement is accredited just to martin luther king martin Uh jr Uh rosa parks and malcolm x yeah like just these three people who somehow were the only people who thought of having some civil rights for black (laughs) people in the united states and not as people who were either like given a platform or had you know or or even accrediting other speaking voices that they're just like oh yeah no one else was talking during 
these years, you know? Right. Or, and it's, like, social and change, like, and this is how liberalism yeah. works, where it's, like, social change works on a collective level. Yes. No individual causes social change. It is when people come together and, like, wow, this fucking sucks, and then, like, riot or whatever. Like, that's, that is the history of social change, and that is what class struggle is about. When, and that's why when, when Democratic- a group of people... Or there's a tweet that said, like, the Democratic Party is where social movements go to die because, like, the people will riot or demand change and then Democratic or, like, in terms of the party, not, like, democracy, Democratic Uh candidates will be like, oh, I stand by these movements, blah, 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 to get elected and then when they're in office... It's, it's, like, that is where social movements go to die. Like, there is no backing for it. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's, like... exactly. And, it, and, and the... the yeah. mm-hmm. Go ahead. Yeah. I, th- I feel and, like and, and their Wi-Fi's saying, are like, off sync. Yes, because you were, you were, like, buffering a little bit for a second. Sorry, technical difficulties. If it feels or sounds kind of choppy, that's why. Um, so, I, something mm-hmm. that, from what I could hear, from what Renaissance was saying, because my fucking Zoom was buffering, um, from what I could hear, it kind of reminded me of something that I had read in State and Revolution by Lenin. You know, the fucking people who came up with the ideas of, uh, or not even came up, like, because this is the other thing. I understand the frustration with being like, why are we attributing liberation and the conceptions of it to, you know, these European white male academics? I get it, but I also think that it's like, these people took the, they took the systems that existed at the time, which, you know, still exists, like the university, the the publishing press, whatever was there, and then kind of legitimized and delineated, like really, that, that's the thing, they delineated these ideas that have been like, and kind of consolidated them into like one place in this way that was really a topical for the time, because it was, you know, a, it was literally about what was going on in the streets of wherever the fuck they were, whether it was in Germany or Paris or in Russia at that time, and talking about what was going on on the ground, as well as, like, the history of it. And that was what they were fucking writing about. Um, and it, it's not just this sort of, like, wishy-washy philosophical theory. It, it, it was literally the current events of the time and people trying to grapple with the realities that they were existing in and c- coming up with, like these writings that are still incredibly useful to this day because the actual opening sentence of um, the state and revolution is what is happening to Marxist theories has in the course of history happened repeatedly to the theories of revolutionary thinkers and leaders of oppressed classes fighting for emancipation. During the lifetime of great revolutionaries, the oppressing classes constantly hounded them, received their theories with the most savage malice, the most furious hatred, and the most unscrupulous campaigns of lies and slander. After their death, attempts are made to convert them into harmless icons, to canonize them, so to say, and to hollow their names to a certain extent for this the consolation of the oppressed classes. And with the object of duping 
the oppressed classes, while at the same time robbing the revolutionary theory of its substance, blunting its revolutionary edge and vulgarizing it. Today, the bourgeoisie and opportunists within the labor movement concur in this doctoring of Marxism. They omit, obscure, or distort the revolutionary side of this theory, its revolutionary soul. And like that is literally the opening fucking paragraph of State and Revolution by, by Lenin. And it is ex like this was true 100 years ago, 200 years ago, and will continue to be true as long as the fucking capitalism exists. Because it like everyone, like you were saying, from MLK to anyone who has ever like mm -hmm. seen at, been seen as an instigator of social change, it is like fundamentally Angela Davis, no, yes, particularly of of this of our time because she was active during the civil rights uh -huh. movement and. I mean, still is uh -huh. radical, but particularly like for that time, like working with the actual right. people, being in the, the fucking communist to party how, to now, yes, <laughs> people viewing her as and, what? And the God, yeah, and it's like it's also just some in the paragraph, like it's hollowed uh -huh. out. Like now, her name is just tagged on and so it'll be like this reading mm -hmm. list of the same fucking boring it'll be like white whatever. fragility and by robin like, d'angelo <laughs> women racing yeah. class by angela davis <laughs> yeah and it's just she's just like fucking like thrown mm -hmm. in there but then also people don't take the time to read what she was yeah. reading yeah. you know to actually appreciate the intellectual value mm -hmm. that she has they just use her name and her aesthetic, her like her image, yes, exactly. Yes. As this, like, ugh. and it's just, it's also, this is off topic, but also not. One thing that I've noticed just with, you know, the rise in popularity of Black Lives Matter and good or bad, whatever, like, race conversations that keep happening, especially about fucking representation, which we can get into that mm -hmm. later. I, I, and by later, I mean, like, a different episode. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> is that there are so many companies where, like, their commercial or their advertising mm -hmm. will be diverse or, like, have mm -hmm. black people on mm -hmm. it. And I'm like, black people do not care about being in a fucking Coca-Cola yeah. ad. Like, that doesn't change the fact yeah. that your CEO, all of your managers, all the money that this company is making is not going to black people. Right. So it's, like, in the same way that, like, Putting Angela Davis on your university fucking white fucking, like, school that was founded on mm -hmm. racism, putting her on your reading list does not negate, does yeah. not change the, benef the, the beneficiaries mm -hmm. of the millions of dollars that your school is making. Yeah. So, like, it, it, yeah. it, it, it doesn't fucking do anything. And if you have professors or high school teachers or whoever who don't actually care about what she's saying, who don't actually take the time to invest in oh, what could possibly be taken from her mm -hmm. writings or her history <clears throat> as a person who's like living among us mm -hmm. still and the students don't care because of the way that the university system yeah. works then like that's still not fucking doing anything and it is like ho like the paragraph said who which was written like in fucking uh, like, 18 <laughs> or 1910 or whatever like yeah like like so fucking like before anyone could yeah. before before of Angela Davis, Davis existed existing. was born like yeah before her parents were exactly. born like, like it's like it already it was written already before, happening and then it happened yeah. and then it's still happening uh -huh. and she's alive with us like you know other revolutionaries or 
leaders of the civil rights movement have since passed, but, like, it's happening to her while she's alive. Yeah. But in such a big way that, like, what is one... Like, not it, not in a way that, like, she could control right. how people use yeah, yeah, yeah. in this, like, way. It's just so ridiculous. For sure. And but, I also... Anyway. Like, and I think, especially the way that, like, communists are either completely demonized or completely whitewashed like that's the only way that you can exist within history right um under like liberalism and capitalism and it was interesting it's interesting seeing how people like your professor who was being like actually black people don't like communism like continue to perpetuate a lot of these these really these falsehoods that are based in complete ignorance kind of like how you know my rant about this fucking tiktok where it's like your, the things that you're saying about why communism or supposedly what you think as white, quote unquote, white communism is bad. Like from my perspective, as someone who is not white, as someone who is a communist and who actually, you know, has red marks and is like, wow, this is actually pretty smart. Like it, this, this is so fucking stupid. And also, oh, this is the other thing. Um, well, first of all, with your professor, it's funny because it's like, Every single, <laughs> every single person you would discuss in any sort of black history class, African-American studies class, from W.E.B. Du Bois to Martin Luther King Jr. to Angela Davis, we're all fucking socialists. We're all communists. Like, what the fuck are you talking about, first of all? So that's what I was trying to fucking <laughs> say in the class. Well, for, for, okay, so obviously Sunny and I were friends before the class. I would text Sunny after, <laughs> during every lecture, after every lecture, yeah. in mental preparation for each lecture about this class yeah. and this professor. So there's a, a lot that, Obviously, I know someone who's in the class. Sunny knows as someone who I forced to, like, pseudo take the class with me, like, by proxy. There's a lot that the listeners don't have right. context for. There are several things wrong with this right. class and this professor who was black and was just, for some reason, made it a point to be, like, anti-communist and also very hotep in his Pretty, like, misogynistic. And anti-feminist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... There's a lot. Like, I don't, you know, I just don't want this to be an unsatisfying conversation on that uh-huh. part for the listeners. That's just um, the context. There's a lot yeah, that can yeah. be addressed. But also, um, I think for people who complain, pe- people who don't read um, and are not white yeah. and want to complain about quote-unquote white communists uh-huh. are just taking what they've heard when they when people use the term, like, white feminism mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. because it has the white and the ism at the, uh-huh. at the end, they've just decided to apply it to communism when that's not how it works because white feminism is like there are critiques to be made about white people mm-hmm. who are particularly like white cishet women mm-hmm. who label themselves as mm-hmm. feminists, but then it's it, but it's because it's not rooted in the actual material conditions that communism serves to address. Right. So it doesn't make sense to address quote-unquote white communism uh-huh. when what people are actually complaining about are the products of white supremacy uh-huh. and growing up in a still patriarchal society uh-huh. that leads to white men still having chauvinistic characteristics even while identifying as communists. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't create a new branch of communism, mm-hmm. nor does that negate the writings mm-hmm. of Marx and Lenin, Marx and mm-hmm. Lenin, because it's not the great manning mm-hmm. of history of these two 
white mm-hmm. man is that these are writers yeah. they are thinking, they created fucking countries like, <laughs> jesus christ yes, and they were writing the thoughts of other of uh-huh. their observations right. like there would have been nothing to for them to have written about if they were not aware of the general sentiment of current exactly. events, of the things that are happening around them. Yeah. So it doesn't make sense to be like, oh... They don't get it? Because it's like, uh, what could us, they not be getting? Yeah. <laughs> and they were writing to get other right. people and to, and to give the, uh, like, ideological, like, writing... Also, okay, also, it doesn't make sense when there's, like you said, Mount Fidel Castro, there's... um. Uh, Wretched of the Earth by Frantz yeah. Fanon. So, like, there, like, if you don't want to read white writers, there are about so communism, many people who aren't white who are Marxist-Leninists who talk extensively about yeah. that work specifically, and even even really he- exactly. like heavy texts. And, and there are ways to like learn those mm-hmm. lessons without having to like, engage with white it, people or, ever. Or if you just want to start, yeah, <laughs> like exactly. you don't ever have. You to. can actually take the time. You can actually take your own time to read yeah. Our Prisons Obsolete yeah, yeah, yeah. by Angela, uh, like, uh, by Angela right. Davis outside of your university, outside of your white feminist professor uh-huh. being like, this is how we're, you yeah. know. Like, you can actually take the energy to look into the countries, yeah. to, like, like, Vietnamese and, and, communist and the writers. And is, is that... Who, like, <laughs> right, and it's like, like, once you get into that stuff, though, like, because I got introduced to mm-hmm. radical politics through reading Angela Davis, like specifically through reading Angela Davis, through the ideology of prison abolition and thinking about the, like coming to the conclusion of like, wow, racism sucks. Okay, yeah. And then being like, okay, but what are the institutions that, that uphold it? And then thinking about like, oh wait, but if in order to get rid of them, obviously none of the stuff that we're doing right now works very clearly. So what are the other options? And then when you look into that and you start reading people's writings and you're like, hmm, wow, they're kind of making a point. And you realize that they're extrapolating on ideas that have been written about for centuries. It's like, why would you then not want to like go look at that? Because even if say like, like I think a really good introductory text to someone who really wants to begin to understand what the word colonialism gets thrown around so much all the time but like um especially in regards to africa and i think like what people don't understand people do not people do not fucking get it because what like what i think people really need to read is walter rodney's um how europe underdeveloped africa where he talks he compiles a bunch of statistics talks about a lot of anecdotal experiences as well as just you know histories of very of all many of the different countries and their experiences with like revolution class struggle and colonialism um in this really consolidated way in a really simple manner wrote i think he wrote it in like the 70s or something um and he was one of the revolutionaries in i'm forgetting what country forgetting what country he was from but um basically like, but the thing is, is that if you read that book and you're like, wow, this guy really makes, is making some good points and really makes sense. And I, this is so interesting and it's so horrible how colonialism works. Once you read that, he mentions the words imperialism, the state, cl- class, like so often that you then are going to have to go read some Stalin, go read some Lenin, go read some Marx, because that is what, that is the terminology that these people are fucking using. Like, that's what they are talking about. You can't, like, look at, like, there's not not to be like oh canonically you need to re- read white writers no you don't need to re- no one needs to read anything no one can obligate you to do that but it's like 
wouldn't you want to, to understand this? Like, wouldn't you want to clarify these terms? Wouldn't you want to, like, and even if you don't want to read, like, there, I really would recommend this um, video, which I think really addresses a lot of the things that we're talking about in terms of the great manning of history and, like, the liberalization of um, figures, either the liberalization or the whitewashing of them is um this video by luna oi and how to spell her name on youtube is l-u-n-a and then space o-i and um she has a video called how to think like a vietnamese communist an intro to dialectical materialism and in this video i think maybe 30 minutes into it so towards the very end she starts talking about like stalin and the ways that people view him and the ways that he is portrayed within media and the feelings that she has towards him as a vietnamese communist um and how like other communists might feel about him and the way that the like to to ask to ask of a historical figure who created incredible amounts of necessary change um and ask is that a good person was Karl Marx a good person was Karl Marx racist was Stalin homophobic was like like to ask these moralizing individual questions of these individual figures who are icons of revolution and you know emancipation and liberation who actually created like created the material conditions of liberation and was in fact in charge of that shit um despite not even wanting to be like Stalin, you know, like he didn't want to, he didn't, he, he was, he, you know, the ruthless dictator who wanted to resign like 12, 12 times but was not allowed to, like, because <laughs> everyone just liked him so much. The fucking, it's, it's just so fucking weird that people, um, that obviously anti communists who are like, oh my god, like Stalin killed a hundred gazillion million people and uh, people, everyone is so brainwashed, which is everyone is so brainwashed into like people who think he's cool are so, are so delusional or whatever. When it's like, do you think every you think everyone in the fucking like the the half continent that is Russia was delusional? Because this is funny because um our, my friend Anna who listens to this podcast, she was sending I think her parents grew up in the USSR and uh, she's and, and her family as well. So like she was sending in pictures of like pins of Lenin, pins of Stalin, pins of and like little booklets and stuff that were like the Leninist Youth Communist Group of Kazakhstan or whatever, like and stuff like that. That I was like, wow, this is this is like it's really cool to see these like literal vintage Soviet items that like were such common themes and common things that you would just see in the, the same way you see fucking McDonald's signs everywhere and like B Bible tract pamphlets in every fucking grocery store or whatever. Like the equivalent of that was was pamphlets that of like uh fucking um workers of the world unite or um uh men you should help your mom in the kitchen like little posters like that or whatever mm -hmm. and i'm it was like that's yeah. that's fucking that's fucking cool and really wild that people have this such deeply unobjective and unrealistic view and application towards these historical figures that that asks them to be these like moral icons when it's like i do not give a fuck if Karl marx was like racist or whatever because first of all that man was not interacting with any non-white people <laughs> like let's be real he he, yeah. he like there there's no way that there's no way that like his individual actions throughout his life co directly caused harm of people when you when literal chattel slavery was happening across the ocean you know like you, this is this is not this is not fucking like oh god carl didn't carl marx this might be the like undoing u.s propaganda is literally just like 
did I hear this in a yeah. co- like is this real right. or was this just something that was ingrained uh-huh. in my head? That's like not that's like uh-huh. made up. Like the fact that like did you know that Stalin killed more people yeah, than yeah, Hitler? Yeah. Like <laughs> fuck, you, yeah. like some so sometimes when I ask questions, I'm like, wait, is this yeah. real? Or yeah. is this just something <laughs> that like was this made up? Yes or no? But so like you know, don't judge this question too hard. Uh-huh. So it might be one of those. But didn't like um. Lincoln and yes. Marks like they corresponded. Correspond. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. This, okay, yeah. So, which I only bring up to like, no, chattel slavery literally was exactly when exactly Marx was was like alive and writing and like even like the Emancipation uh, or Declaration or Thirteenth Amendment. Uh-huh. Which also did not emancipate enslaved right. people in the United States. And still but, doesn't. Like, anyways, it, yeah. So, uh, which is ridiculous. But no, like, there, it, you can't say like uh, or look at Marx and be like, was he racist? When that is what he was trying to like. Right. Like, when that was happening at the literal same time, yeah. because of actual colonialism. Yes, which he is fucking talking about. Which is what he's writing about. Actual, like he's talking like yeah like the, i mean ugh, and actual structure yeah. and not to be like none of these people can be criticized but it's like the level of criticism mm-hmm. within quote-unquote criticism within this like tiktok from this like probably this teenager talking out of their ass like is so fucking low level and in, in just like low-hanging fruit that is rotten and not even you shouldn't even be picking at that in the first place because obviously like like and also just not um reciprocate like like not to say like you said that any of these people are absolved of criticism Mm -hmm. because then that would just be giving in to the liberal Mm -hmm. like yeah great manning can't can't touch them Mm -hmm. throw their names on everything yeah uh it's not that it's just that if you are taking more energy to figure out ways to undermine Karl marx yeah or lenin or stalin then you are to question why you don't have to put that much energy into looking up any of the presidents of the United yeah. States, into any of the prime ministers yeah. of England, uh, yeah. into uh, the royal family yeah. in terms of, like, not, like, tabloids uh-huh. or gossip, but in, like, the actual war crimes yeah. that, you know, they have funded. Um, and, like, are the face of... Uh, why do you feel, you know, that you don't have to criticize Canadian prime ministers yeah. and all of the... Uh, you know, things that have come up recently about the history of... Uh, residential schools. Residential yeah. schools, which were not... Residential, residential schools. nor schools. Yeah. yeah. Um, and all this stuff, like, so if you're just like, uh, these communists on Twitter are so white and mean, <laughs> and Karl Marx was just a white cis yeah. man, and he was homophobic and racist, yeah. <laughs> and like, when you're just, like, ignoring, like, literally ignoring yeah. the... <laughs> the material the, like, conditions the and struggles of people. Yes, Jesus. Exactly. It's like, do I care that Karl Marx did, was not besties with another black lesbian, and that is why I cannot be a Marxist? Like, I do not give a fuck. Right. What I give a fuck about is people's not being exploited yeah, anymore. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah. Like, it's... And and the actual, like, material conditions, the ideologies, the cultural changes that need to happen in combination with material, you mm-hmm. know, like how to change people's actual minds and ways of behaviors and interacting mm-hmm. with other people, how, like, class solidarity yeah. and how to not see your workers in a minimum wage retail job as your competitors yeah. and actually as people that you should be 
like having actual bonds uh-huh. with and, and a way to support uh-huh. each other against capitalists like that and, and the way that those writings help communicate that and help to bring people into those spaces in a meaningful way like that is what I care about mm-hmm. you know not the moralization it, again, of these people who've been dead for exactly. centuries oh was this person white like, or do no? I need to know like <laughs> this exactly, is what the was Stalin like, white discourse who fucking cares? That it, man has yeah. been in the ground for a century. Let's 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 move on. <laughs> like <laughs> it's just like why it was like someone asking like why wasn't Marx at Pride? And it's like, well, have we <laughs> <laughs> That's that's a good tweet. <laughs> like if <laughs> Yeah, you can have. We should put that on the podcast. No, let me do account. that right now. That should be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Put that. Put that one. You're seeing us tweet in in real yes. time. Put that on the podcast <laughs> one. Why wasn't Karl Marx? <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, like you know, this question of like, would Karl Marx have had a rainbow profile during the Olympic <laughs> Like, it doesn't fucking <laughs> matter. Yeah, the priorities are just so they're so off. Uh, exactly. Yeah. I mean, and and we've talked, we've mentioned multiple times about how I am a Stalin defender, right? <laughs> and even though virginity is a concept that doesn't matter, perpetual I am virgin. virgin. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter how much sex I have. It's because I am a Stalin defender. I will always be a virgin. So, um, uh. <laughs> like that. <laughs> like I could, and it's just, it's one of. I just think it's so funny because it it's 2021, which means it has now been two years since I've graduated high school. Mm-hmm. And within that two-year span, I've gone from what was, like, my my last world history class that essentially served as, like, the demonization of um, right. Stalin. Mm-hmm. And I've talked to you about how, like, Hitler, Stalin, and Mao were all yeah. taught. And, like, oh, they're Castro the same, actually. All taught in the same did you wow. know that being a Nazi is yeah, actually the same all thing the same. as someone who kills Nazis? Like, <laughs> oh my god. No, like, like that is, and, and then from like two years from that, making a communist <laughs> podcast with my friend in which I at length discuss <laughs> and defend Stalin is just so, like, that quick turnaround to me is just so funny of, of that. Um, but... Yeah, and also, this is going to be the most awkward and random segue, mm-hmm. but without the quarantine, me becoming this Stalin defender and communist is very much akin to how without quarantine we would not have gotten ever more in folklore from right. <laughs> another <laughs> communist icon. The, the liberalization <laughs> of the icon iconography of... Oh my god, wait, so our, our mutual Shay responded... Looking at the people who, to our tweet, why wasn't Karl Marx at Pride? Looking at the people who did go, can you blame him? <laughs> no, no, exactly. Uh, why, why didn't Marx go to a furry convention? I think that is the we real need to talk about question. that. Was Marx for furry? Was was no, Karl but, uh, Marx a was Karl Marx a swerf? Like, like the the discord. Like, it's like the dis- it's random discourse generator, and it's like, was, okay, a rotation of Karl Marx, Stalin, Mao, what, whomever, uh, and then like, Castro. yeah, and then like another blank space of like, gay, white, homophobic, uh, <laughs> a phobic, yeah, 
ace ace phobic uh, like a turf uh like just... mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah yeah oh my gosh yeah that's so funny jesus but the thing is is that like you know we giggle we kiki we have a fun time but the scary thing is is that there are from like people who see themselves as liberals to literal like fascists mm-hmm. and racists and actual white supremacists mm-hmm. who like believe the like uh, uh, any version mm-hmm. or iteration of these like myths about communism yeah and it's just how do y'all live like that like ugh. i mean i get it because i've been there but also jesus christ mm-hmm. let's grow up grow up <laughs> Uh, that's the thing it's like for me it's like so much of that is like when i was still literally in the depths of the u.s public education uh-huh. system which is like designed to churn out workers and people who are anti-communists and uh-huh. have deeply internalized patriotism like i was in the trenches of that and so then to think that not everyone grows up graduates reads for themselves things uh-huh. for themselves enter spaces that questions these things is like so like like what do you mean you didn't you like you haven't shed that of yourself oh my god um but anyways but we actually like we're already like an hour into just yeah. the hot take and there's even more that i could say on this topic no exactly um, we could talk about that like maybe we'll do like a <laughs> Yeah, well, maybe we'll do, like, a about, part two of this hot take. Complaining about so. internet discourse, <laughs> but specifically the communist version. Well, I'll just, I'll sneak peek this one, because this whole conversation has reminded me of a different TikTok that I saw uh-huh. that was in response to someone saying that, like, racists and woke people, uh-huh. whatever that right. means, are, like, the same in saying that, like, race is the most important thing about you and, yeah. like, black people should only buy from black businesses and stuff like that and how, like, woke people... Uh, yeah, again, that's, such a, that's such a racist dog want, whistle. Like, like... Yeah, and, like, and want segregation again, mm-hmm. but the thing that they're missing is they're missing the, def- the difference between segregation and oppression mm-hmm. and... Uh, like black self-determination yeah like self-determination yeah. of the black community is not the same as institutional oppression and for like like separation yeah. is not the issue it's the oppression and the class hierarchy that exists exactly like, and, and, and sometimes you know you can look back at like the jim crow era and be like oh look at these strong or you know something like black wall street mm-hmm. or something where there was black economic or like they had resources in these towns or you know or like the idea of like the black dollar Mm -hmm. yeah or black prosperity you know or that money was circulating within these predominantly black communities and that you could go to a movie theater with only black people or whatever something like that but it was the like every other detail of your life being dictated by white supremacy was the issue it wasn't that they you know it was a black kid in a history class and they didn't have a white history teacher or something Uh like that to like give them microaggressions their entire life because that's what black people were fighting Uh for it was like the oppression and so people like not being able to differentiate people who call for black Mm self-determination and just see them as the same racist segregists that i think the same thing could be said as like people who like hate misandry or whatever and it's like why do you hate 
the yeah. thing that can free you. Like, what? Yes. What is the purpose yeah. of of rejecting rejecting men? Who does this serve, men? Like, who? Literally, who does that and, serve? And it was a non-black person that was criticizing this, and I'm like, so you're so you're Jesus showing Christ. your ass for several yeah. several reasons. Yeah, and it's just, like, <laughs> like a lot I'm of those so- conversations are totally <laughs> just ways for people to be able to just be anti-black and to be able to say just like really racist things without any with, trying to dodge criticism by being like actually it's racist to criticize me you know mm-hmm. oh it's racist to talk about ra-, you know which is such a conservative talking point of like it's actually racist to talk about race oh you're focusing on race that's that's why you're the problem and not these institutions that you're pointing yeah. out at, at, at large um but it also reminded me of the fact that in my african-american history class in high school this kid who's white turned to me and t- literally tra- asked me, like, the difference between, like, segregation and, like, g- like going to, say, like, an HBCU or whatever. I was like, motherfucker. Like, you cannot be fucking serious right now. Like, and I-, I mean, I was like, I was like, okay, so let's think about it this way. <laughs> let's, let's, let's use our brain cells. Like, like, oh, oh my god. And, well, I also saw another tweet that was kind of like, it's so fucking weird that Americans and just people in general kind of view Jim Crow as bad because of like race separation like that being the thing when it's like no it's it, that that's not that is not the problem that is just a symptom of the fact that you had to separate people's races in order to oppress a certain group of people in order to not allow them yeah. to have access to the, the same resources and spaces like that's what ha- you, they they only become separated because white people don't want to be around them like that's why segregation exists and that's why well, it's like redlining that, like, exists like everything god it, it's it's it's, it's like saying that like the only issue in apartheid south africa was that you know white people and the africans that are from south africa mm-hmm. were physically separated when there were so many de- it was the fact that there weren't bathrooms there weren't resources there were there was a military the dictatorship that, lived there. that ruled people's ability yes. to go around in their own yes. fucking country like that's the fucking goddamn exactly. issue like it's the brutality like, of the it state. wasn't that like not not the exactly. social and it's this <sighs> and it's this like hyper like one sentence simple talking point nature of it mm-hmm. that is just like like bad things or like bad things is only when interpersonal it's just when interpersonal violence or separation happens that's not what that is and it's just and then and then people are like oh but i don't want to get into readings because it's too complicated but it's like these readings were written for working class people yeah these writings were written for people currently exploited marx wasn't writing for fucking capitalists he wasn't writing for the oppressive. And the only reason so like, why you both? might find his work to be difficult is because he was a lawyer. He was writing as a lawyer. Like, he, he, he was not writing to, like, but, you know, there are people who are, you know, like fucking Stalin, like Mao, who are writing to peasants, writing to people who are goddamn yes. illiterate. Like, you are, I, I, you are not illiterate. You have a fucking phone and you spend all your time engaging with stupid ass discourse, but you refuse to, like, read <laughs> 10 pages of something that can really clear some and some things up on for have, you. <laughs> exactly. And you most likely have a K through twelve, if not at least K through ten uh-huh. education. And even if you're in like one of the states that has like the lowest literacy in the United mm-hmm. States, 
that's still not the same as when, like, they were communicating and teaching peasants who had no literacy. Yes. <laughs> like, you have, like, the comprehension. <laughs> some degree right. of reading comprehension. You can understand what they're right. saying. It might take time. It might take effort. But, like... That's what all it's, meaningful it's and worthwhile things do. Like, goddamn. Yes. Anyways, uh, so... Just context. We're just going to be up front. We're not even going to try and make this sound smooth. We <laughs> took, like, a 45-minute break? Yeah, we took, we took a little break. Hour. Um, so... A little break. We, we, now we're back to record part two and three of the podcast. And part two yeah. is discussing Taylor Swift once again. Again. Once again. It's a theme. Yeah. And she's... She is a part of the podcast, you know, her specter rules. She's the secret third host <laughs> of the podcast. The unofficial third host Literally. of the podcast is Taylor Swift. Exactly. It would be so... I, I, I guess we'll get into this. Uh-huh. Um, but, like, I, I want to know what accounts, what fan accounts of hers does she stumble upon? Does yeah. she interact with only, like, the big... <laughs> Heavy hitters? Does she know? Like does she know the niche, the niche ones. The various, yeah. Like, like I want to know. Like, in what does, like, on social media apps? Because you know, like algorithms, like her social media app algorithms or whatever, like laptop doesn't know that it's right. her. Right. You know, like, like it's curated to her. So I'm like, what are the like, like does she follow her own topic yeah. on Twitter? Like, what are the yeah. hit? <laughs> like, what are the hit tweets on the? Taylor Swift Twitter topic that are like <laughs> that she sees or yeah. whatever, and she's so intimately in tune with her fans in a way that like doesn't feel like her press team bringing her like these are your weekly yeah. fan tweets that we're presenting yeah. you. So I'm I'm so curious as to like what like what if we get to the point that she like she, if she ever references one of our quotes about her in an interview i will shit my pants <laughs> throw up shake cry well the reason why we're bringing this up this is thing. because um we there's this interview from yeah. well let's give context so there's this interview from like december of 2020 yeah december which 15th is, but it was like filmed a couple of days before yeah. her birthday but still in and december it, i think was like basically celebrating Taylor Swift being like having won like Apple like music artist of the year or something like that. It was celebrating Taylor yes, Swift. Yes, exactly. It's the end of the year. Yeah. So <laughs> and there's an interview of her and like and like her process when in writing Evermore and Folklore and also her you know projects with um, Big Big Red Machine, which you know now six months seven months later we, we we've seen the fruition of um in <laughs> yeah. renegade her latest release and a feature of which she sings she wrote and sang the fi- the whole thing so so yeah it's it's, it's a it's a feature because yeah. it's a product so not really a, a yeah feature. because she's part she's, she's like part yeah, of like a it's kind of like a band but not really um so not really a feature just her yeah. name's on it right so in the, this interview is like an hour-ish long and the guy who's giving the interview i think his name is like zane something he's like this yeah zane yeah Lowe. he's this like new zealand fucking dj uh, he's some dude dj presenter kind of like a, uh kind of like i guess new zealand's version of bbc radio one in the uk mm. would be yeah 
I don't know how familiar. And I guess he works for like but, um, Apple Music because he does all the fucking interviews. So yeah. yeah. Yeah, he does all of And he's, like, familiar with the music industry, things. obviously, and, like, is personally, like, actually friends with a lot of the people that he speaks to, including Taylor Swift, and it's, like, pretty clear in, in what they talk about and stuff. And I think, like, this interview was really... It's really interesting and really fulfilling, personally, because... Because, like, he really respects her work and, as a, and her as a person, and it really shows and it allows her to speak on her experiences without asking her to talk about her experiences that we as fans and that she as herself and that him as her friend already know like they, they, there's never like yeah. a, a like oh so remember when these specific events happened and then this specific thing ha-, like it's just like ca- in casual mention passing as a way to contribute to um the conversation going on in the interview about her work and her artistry um i don't know what were the most what were the most like prescient things and to I you think- in the interview like what 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 stuck out most to you of, about things that, yeah like well, she said or you know i think um just for further context you had you watched this yeah a week ago a week and a half ago yeah two weeks ago some time ago and and you sent it to me like sometime in that day i might have been running errands and then you're like oh my gosh you have to watch this and then like later that evening we talked about it at length. Yeah, because I was, <laughs> like, like I had... Taylor Swift and just the music uh-huh. industry. And you, like, broke it down. But I still hadn't watched it. So you had watched it. You were telling me points that, like, uh-huh. you were responding to. And then I was... Similar to how the hot take went, I was responding to your response. Yeah, of and not to, like, like the immediate me. thing itself. Yeah. Yeah. And that conversation was super cool. Just yeah. when we get all in our musical, when when Sunny and I start talking about pop girls <laughs> and sexism and stuff like that, game over. Game, game over. the fuck over. Yeah. Um. And so then now I've watched it. So it's kind of like two things. Like I, I'm sure I had a different experience of when you watched it because I knew what I right, was like right, right. looking for in a way. Uh, and one thing that I think, I think this is just a credit to you, you're just so good at writing summaries of things <laughs> and distilling things, and you just have the, you you have a knack of just being able to, like, get to, like, the essence of something. Thank you. And so the conclusions that I would, no, it, it's a real talent, <laughs> not everyone can do that. And me being one of them, I can recognize that talent, because I, I do not have Um, but, and that's why... Well, this is just getting into it. Sunny writes every single summary for the episodes, whether I edit it or Sunny edits it. Sunny writes every single oh. summary. Because if I write the summary, it's all the information that no one needs. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's everything but what the summary should be. Oh. And so, yeah, Sunny does all the writing, um, except for, like, the tweets, but that's not writing. But, <laughs> well, I mean, when you do it, it is. But for me, that's not writing. Uh, but um, anyways... Regardless, is I like the conclusions or the the things that we ended up talking mm-hmm. about in when you were the only one that had watched yeah. it, it like were confirmed right, right, right. in my watching. Like like the way that the com- our conversation about us as fans reacting yeah, yeah, yeah. to Taylor Swift is how the conversation ended mm-hmm. up happening. So I thought that was really cool that I think um even regardless, we probably would have picked up on the same things. Yeah, the same things. Like the things that were that were meaningful to you, um, obviously was shown because me, without any context, came to those right. same conclusions right. and because when I found that natural uh-huh. rhythm 
yeah so yeah when i found the video because it it just like i've i've just been watching more like taylor swift like fan cam mashup sort of like oh what would this sound what would this song sound like if it was on a different album like stuff like that i've just been like so youtube has been feeding me that more and more (laughs) and so then it pops up on my like recommended it's it's like a one-hour interview with her and i'm like "Hmm, okay and so i open it and i'm like and not expecting anything of it and and i realized that like the conversation that's going on feels really like very intimate and very personal and like i i remember when i was watching i was just like well they had they have another 45 minute interview from, together um, in her lover era. yeah 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 um, I haven't seen that one yet. So, I th- I think that also... Like, they already have a relationship. I didn't watch it either. I think that also helped. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and they've had, like, long... I mean, I don't think they're anything more than, like, probably, like, industry right. friends. Like, I don't think, you know. But he respects her within the industry. And they've talked at length that, about her right, right, right. before, which I think also helps. It's not like a Good Morning yeah. America where, like... Or, you know, something where the host, like barely even know yeah, who yeah, Taylor yeah. Swift is like as a yeah. person or her work or something. Which is something that we as fans um, get frustrated with and we, that we were talking way. about. Because like after yeah. I watched the video, like, he was just like fucking ruminating in my mind all day because I was just like this, it was so good. I just was like I needed to talk about it, which is why I called Renaissance and, and I like bro- and I was like, okay, so this is when she said this, <laughs> I thought this. And then when she said that and like yeah. I kind mm, I kind of regret not like recording that conversation even though it was like four hours long because I feel like we talked on so many... Right talk about so many good things that like you know can't can't be conversation can't be recreated obviously so but like yeah um and i don't even remember the things that had stuck out to me you know fresh right after i had watched it for the first time um that was like that that were so pertinent to me but um I, i do remember i do remember being like this is actually like this is actually such a testament to testament to her like fucking her genius and when she's in a room with other people who like respect her as you know the artist and like the genius that she is it's like really satisfying because i'm like like that's how i would interact with her if i ever had the chance to like talk to her or interview her like in a in a way that is like you know it's like when you're when you're aware that the person you're speaking to is actually like they're not just famous like they are really fucking smart and talented and hardworking, you know? And, they, and like, whether they were famous or not, they would be cool for yeah. who they are, you know? Like, that's that's how I think I, of her. I, like, more and more. Yeah. This interview, I, I can't remember if this was something... This might have something that I said to you in uh-huh. the conversation. I don't know if I've said it on the podcast, where I've been, like, holding myself back from watching Taylor Swift yeah. interviews... Because, not because of Taylor Swift, but because I hate the way that they talk to yeah. Taylor Swift and about her and in the, like, top of the video uh-huh. work that they do. It's just so, it's so entrenched in sexism yeah. and misogyny and just treating her like this bottle, dumb bottle yeah. blonde. And I, I don't like yeah. seeing her treated, I don't like seeing anyone yeah. treated like that but obviously since we have this, <laughs> obsession uh, with this woman <laughs> yeah since, since we have this like parasocial yeah. relationship with her it's like even more frustrating right. um and so when you were like when you i mean obviously we have like similar mm-hmm. standards for this kind of thing so when you were like so excited about this and we was like oh my gosh and then we just ended up mm-hmm. talking about it um 
I think for me, one thing that stood out about the interview is, and I think this comes from him, like, uh, the interviewer is saying coming from the music industry mm-hmm. is that they really talked about yeah. music as like a valid creative yeah. outlet, like yeah. poetry, like the rest of the mm-hmm. fine arts and not in this super hyper, um, like simplified and commod, I guess commodified, yeah. like literal, like, you know, and inter- just fucking churns out, capitalism. you know, material for people to yeah. buy as opposed to like, you know, art that, <laughs> under under capitalism exactly. becomes a commodity because everything becomes a commodity under capitalism, you know? Exactly. And I think it's really easy to commodify Taylor Swift because of the frequency in which she's uh-huh. producing new music and at the frequency that she has these big creative ventures, which they also talk about in the mm-hmm. interview. But it's be it's not because she's this like hyper capitalist. Yeah. <laughs> hungry. Yeah, like like I have to make every single cent off of me being in the public eye, but it's actually from this hunger to sustain her and create work, as a like fucking person. create work that's like meaningful yes. and interesting. And and she she talks about like her personas and how mm-hmm. Evermore is the first time that she hasn't shed a persona yeah. because obviously Folklore and Evermore are sister right. albums, which is like very different from going from reputation yeah. to lover or 1989 to reputation yeah. that are like very distinct right. eras um and but it's because like it's it, it's you know charlie chaplin had characters, <laughs> you know, or, or yeah. eras, you know or something yeah. like that like like there are creatives that have mm-hmm. these moments it's not this like facade and also she talks about being grateful that she has especially uh, in re-recording her like earlier mm-hmm. albums uh, oh, that's one thing that we talked about is like how what she was feeling when she was fifteen is just as valid mm-hmm. to her now as what she's feeling when she's twenty nine, thirty, mm-hmm. thirty one, um, and how we as her fans have grown up with yeah. her and she's grown up in the public eye and how there's even you know the song like mm-hmm. fifteen about like your first day of high school yeah. or something even though we now are x number right. of years removed from our yeah, first yeah, day yeah. of high school there's still that like the uh-huh. truth that is in 15 is the same truth that's like in uh-huh. happiness or champagne uh-huh. exactly problem. and like the love um, story that is literally present within the song love yeah. story is still present in her yeah. love songs now and and the way that she it talks yeah. like um in in like peace but you can see how the maturity of like love song where it's like oh my god like you know she she wrote that when she was like what 12 or something like how old was she like 14 like you know this this girl has and i I remember like in one of her other interviews um or maybe it was this one and it's no exactly she was kind of talking about how like she was like yeah honestly i think i wrote love story because i was just mad my parents wouldn't let me go on a date or something so (laughs) i was like i can't create a i create this whole dramatic Mm -hmm. like story in my mind about like romeo and juliet and like the equivalent of that um applying that to my life and it's like that's such a like teenage girl thing to do but like because she's so talented and intelligent and uh, able to like channel her storytelling into this really artistic like way and and venture like she was able to tell that story in a way that like millions of fucking billions of people related to um you know and like really was part of her like stardom yeah i just Oh, no. 
No. No. Okay, I'm connecting. I clicked connect. I'm saying this so that we can resync it. Hello. When I come back. Hello. I'm talking. Okay. Hello. Hello. I can hear you now. Okay. I don't. I don't know whose I was like booted out. Yeah, I saw that. I so that's probably my gotcha. Wi-Fi. Okay. Yeah. But no, yeah, I was, I, I think uh, we were still recording, so what I said is still on here, but to okay. recap, what I Good. told, what I was saying was that, yeah. like, love story was her teenage angst, like, about not being allowed to go on a date when she was, like, you know, 14 or 15 or whatever, um, and, yeah, but, like, so, like, that was, that was then, and, and those feelings are still, still so real and true and resonate with so many people, and it, it's still a fucking hit, um, like it was, you know, 10 years ago when it came out, like, but, you know, her song, I think one of, uh, I think some of the love songs in folklore, um, the one that really comes to mind is, um, is Peace, because she talks about, she, like, in the song, it's like, um, I, c- I could never give you peace, but, you know, I, like, I-, I kind of come in these extremes, and you need to take me as I am, and even though, um, even though our existence will never, as like a couple, as you know, people who love each other will never be this like stable, constant thing in in the in its dynamic. Or, but it, like its existence will be will be stable as long as you understand that sh- that she, the character in the song, um, presumably Taylor Swift, I can never give you I can never give you peace, right? And like, but it's still yeah. ultimately a love song that is about like. The, sort of the barriers to love that aren't external, that aren't, um, or even like in Champagne Problems, um, which is so fucking sad. Off, off Evermore. That, yeah, yeah, like that's that's like a heartbreak song that that has nothing to do with, you know, a, a, a breakup that is so that like the other person fucking did you wrong and like you're so mad and you know we like we are never ever getting back together or you know I like it's it's not like that but mm-hmm. you know. Um, <laughs> And it's not, it, it it's like something that is so much more heartbreaking than that because it's not about what it's not about what either of you did, it's it's just about like some someone's own like feelings. And honestly, it kind of reminded me the the show that we were going to watch or that we were going to discuss this way up this episode. Um, but then we we're, yeah. we're doing it for next episode. Um, it kind of reminded me, spoilers for season one, but champagne. now that I'm talking about champagne problems, it kind of reminds me of um, Vish and Shona's relationship because like they, they're like clearly in love and they're, and like, you know, they're, they're quote unquote going to get married. They're like engaged, but Shona is obviously like, there's something else going on with her, but it's like, it's so tragic because neither mm-hmm. of them are at fault. Like, it's not Shona's fault that, you know, she's feeling these complicated mm-hmm. feelings, um, but she knows that she still, like, loves Vish, and it's not Vish's fault for trying to keep her in his life. And, like, you know, it's, it's, like, it's like the music that she writes now is so much more, like, mature in that, you know, she's in her 30s and she's writing about, like, you know, these, like, the, the real sort of adult struggles of real life adult relationships um and not even real life Mm -hmm. ones ones that she imagines and she writes and she creates in her own mind um as opposed to when she was 15 imagining and creating things in her own mind talking about 
like, you know, someone coming to save her on, like, his white horse or whatever. Like, it's it's yeah. the, the romanticization. Like, it, it goes in these different directions based off of her, like, maturity as an artist and as a person. And it's just, like, like that's so fucking, that's so fucking awesome to see. Like, she makes, yeah. Well, that reminds me, one of the things that we talked about at length originally was the shift that folklore and over- everyone mm-hmm. present in that um and that also taylor swift talks about in the interview is in her previous works she feels like she is both responding to mm-hmm. the clickbait articles mm-hmm. written about her and also like providing more yeah, yeah, the yeah content yeah, yeah. for uh-huh. <laughs> article writers yeah. and and people magazine right, right. interns and all those people to you know it, it's like okay like 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 the headlines are Uh lyrics you know she's writing in Uh headlines and this pause that obviously unfortunately not touring lover gave her because of Uh the pandemic she was able to sit down as like a Uh writer and be like okay well i'm obviously not gonna tour for like the rest of this year she still, and I think it also speaks to her like innate creativity, yeah. like without a studio, without the team, uh-huh. like literally in her yeah. face all the time. She's still this. She became even more creative. Yes. Her creative yes. genius heightened in this yeah. isolation. When she's just like hanging out, unfortunate yeah. reasons, but yeah. but just in herself, like ruminating in her mm-hmm. own mind. When she's just living with someone that yeah. she loves, that she trusts yeah. creatively, what is she able to create? And we got this all these stories that took place and she said like a a mythological american Uh town where it's like there's just kind of this like romance yeah you Uh know like it's like like, a feeling it's a vibe (laughs) yeah it's literally just the vibes (laughs) and she was able to write about people that weren't Mm -hmm. her that weren't the headlines of her life and but in a way that was even more yeah. vulnerable and yeah. emotional and even more meaningful she was able to reflect yeah. her yes and how betty and james mm-hmm. and august are more truthful yeah. than her name dropping yeah. real people you know it was very much a moment of truth versus yeah. reality yeah. and i think uh, both just because of maturity and literal that she's like now in her 30s and she's like gone through uh-huh. her 20s and so now that gives her the ability to yeah. reflect on them um but also like she is just valid in her identity mm-hmm. as a writer as someone yeah. who can think of words think of mm-hmm. stories think of characters yeah. think so think of plots and she talks about the bridge in um I don't think it's August. Is it August? No. Was it that? It uh-huh. might have been. The bridge of one of her songs in the uh, Yeah, she was talking about how it was anyways, one of her favorites bridge... or something like that. Because, you know... Oh, no, it was... Yeah, um, yeah. and it, it tells the the whole Mad story. Woman, I think. She was talking about Mad Woman. Not... Wait, it was... It was, um... It's the, um... It's the it's the one where, uh... What a shame she's fucked in the head, they said. No father of the... That's Champagne Problems. Pack up the tapestry. That's Champagne Problems. Yeah, so she was... Yeah, that's Champagne Problems. Uh, she was talking about the bridge and Champagne okay. Problems. Yeah, and and how that was yeah. the peak of the storytelling. And, yeah, yeah, and it's it's just so... It was so nice to watch uh-huh. that interview and to hear her talk about her, her mm-hmm. as a creative, her as a writer, and also her giving credit to 
her show making, mm-hmm. like her yeah, touring yeah. as a form of of creativity. I think that was really yeah poignant and reflective. Yeah. I think like and she also talks about the value of artists owning mm-hmm, their mm-hmm. discography and their work, which I think is important. And we talked about this in um before in that. You know, when Taylor Swift took her music off of Spotify, she was seen as this person who's like greedy oh, and she, bitchy you know. and whatever. Yeah, yeah, greedy and thinks that she's she's above giving her music uh-huh. to her fans, and she feels that she's entitled to this and this and this. When so many of the like things that Taylor Swift has been villainized uh-huh. for, she was actually doing on behalf of like the other, like the future Taylor yeah. Swifts, like the people who are being signed yeah. at fifteen yeah. now, saying, "Hey." don't get mm-hmm. snubbed for your yeah. work you know if you are the actual intellectual mm-hmm. owners of yeah. this k- keep yeah, that exactly ownership. and like she's um, like like because she is such and, a fucking powerhouse in yeah. the industry anything she does is really important and it yeah. really impacts it but despite that like despite the uh, the huge amount of power and success she has in the industry she still gets fucked over by contracts and she still gets fucked over by other by mm-hmm. powerful men and by people who have more power and influence by than not, her but by less powerful oh yeah men. yeah <laughs> she has been fucked over by men who are nowhere near the level of influence right. and, and, and in so, terms of social clout yeah. Cultural influence, <laughs> like nothing, not even network. Like, so like, come on, <laughs> right? And the, and the way that it's been able to like impact her life, and it's like, and so I think like she she really is she really is looking out for other people, but because of how the mm-hmm. way she's been constructed in media and in like how the public eye as this like conniving sort of like sort of woman who is always figuring out her next move, figuring out the next way to be successful, which is, like, that's true, but that's true of any fucking artist. Like, anyone anyone who is wor- is working mm-hmm. is always working to see how they can continue working. Like, like, one of her interviews during her, I think, Fearless era, when she, you know, fucking teenager, she was, like, someone was interviewing her, and she, you know, she was just, like, so happy and... And she, and they were like, how do you feel to be so successful? And and you and she you see her and she's like, like oh my god, it's so amazing. And every day I I just feel like it's so unreal. Um, and then I just think, how do I how do I make this last make this exactly last. right? And it's like been so yeah. crazy to see her from that age and then be like almost double that age now and almost double as successful. Like and um, but despite everything she's I, gone I through, mean, not even. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. like. Because the, I I looked up, she literally has forty six million Spotify right. monthly Spotify <laughs> like, listeners, and like sure, I'm sure that's like you know uh-huh. dance studios yeah. or gyms that like have her on their uh-huh. playlist or whatever. But still, and and that's just like it's just so insane, and just it it's I think that interview just in contrast to the way that she is talked about at large for mm-hmm. money and for yeah. headlines yeah is just shows how much of like people see taylor swift and other big pop cultural names as like public yeah. property like as plastic mm-hmm. pawns that they can use um without actually giving credit to their s- cultural like significance said, how much of a powerhouse yeah she is yeah and and also writing off <laughs> as, just, as like, just people yeah. who don't appreciate yeah, yeah, music, yeah. who who are 
who are unabashed in the love of like pop music. And I think this is the other thing. Taylor Swift yeah. is the kind of when she in this interview she talks about how you know she's always like loved Bonnie Bear and the National and like so does you know jo- so does mm-hmm. her boyfriend Joe and like they you know they're like fangirls of these other of these other people these like grown ass men who've been making music for yeah. a long time. And then now like in folklore and in Evermore she was like able to like actually work with those people which is like that's so fucking cool seeing her as yeah. a fangirl of <laughs> yeah. other musical artists is so it's so funny to me because I'm just like yeah, you're Taylor Swift like, and you're yes, a fan I'm of fan someone else like <laughs> yeah oh my God. it's like it's like so it's just so and to see her talk about other people how we talk mm-hmm. about her but her ultimately being unaware that like yeah me, oh, yeah us individually like, are as speaking individuals yeah, 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 yeah 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 and it, it was just so weird i'm just like you have no idea <laughs> like, not that our podcast is about taylor swift although we right, could right. advertise it as such but like she has no idea that we right, have right. hours of exactly of us just <laughs> and um that was just so fun to see and i also in the interview the interview brings up how just visibly this is the most like I feel like non-staged happy she's ever yeah. been and how content she is and in just the relationship that she's mm-hmm. in right now with Joe and yet the songs are so fucking sad are the and, saddest but see, fucking that's the thing. It's like, and the songs uh, that they wrote together are together so sad are the like saddest. Exile they wrote that shit together on like so their own funny. piano at home and it's just like <laughs> And, and she was like, like oh yeah, we just... we bond over just loving sad songs. And I think yeah. it's like she's all, she also kind of gives us this example of like of like as artists, like you don't need bad things to happen to you for to make good work. In fact, sometimes mm-hmm. being in the best mental, emotional, and physical state of your life makes you have makes you create the the best work you could possibly create despite you not go undergoing that suffering like you don't need to self-flagellate to to create um work that is meaningful and but and and like which is such a like cannot be overstated how it's like how damaging that idea idea of like all artists have to suffer in to like make work yeah but it's it's so like so many artists abide exactly you know have not treated themselves have has you know have harmed themselves in multiple ways over the idea that knowing happiness or peace or stability would somehow negatively impact Mm -hmm. their art and I think someone like Taylor Swift who if not like gained Mm -hmm. more fans (laughs) in by switching this new genre you know who like the Swifty the Swifties agenda has been moved significantly (laughs) literally um, because of the folklore and evermore era and yet this is like the publicly the happiest that she's been you know in Mm -hmm. a while um i think it's just so cool and also just like i just i i really like that i also think you know we've joked about this how joe is a great boyfriend because he never speaks (laughs) never talks (laughs) (laughs) literally never talks and i even looked up i'm like does he have interviews that just like no one is watching and i like I, like, looked up, like, Joe Alwyn interview, and it's literally just, like, from The Favorite, or talking yeah. about him and The Favorite, and he's never, even though he's literally, like, he doesn't even have his actual name uh-huh. in the song credits, like, yeah. even now that we right, know right, that right. it's him who's credited on these songs, it, it's, like, Taylor Swift is still allowed to have the rightful yeah. credit that she deserves 
and unattached and to a man. Like, un- like, because so much of her yes. career and her life. Like, because he is exactly. not Taylor Swift. Yeah. He is not Taylor Swift. And he's not even. He, he's, he's not even not right. obligated or deserving of being just instantly equated yeah. because he happens to be a music appreciator who happens to be yeah, in yeah, a yeah. relationship with yeah. this genius musical artist. She's allowed to take credit yeah. for the work. And he's not yeah. uncredited, yeah, exactly. you know? And he, he like, plays the appropriate degree... Of involvement in her in, life and career on a public yes. level. Yeah. No, for sure, because I think exactly. something that's so interesting is that one of the most consistent misogynistic talking points about taylor swift that has been prevalent since she was 19 till now is that like oh the only reason mm-hmm. why she's famous is because of like the men that she's been associated with whether that be kanye or fucking yeah. uh like tom yeah Houston, or like jake gyllenhaal john that, the mayor john dude <laughs> like th- those motherfuckers um, right um exactly so like like people Fucking yeah, Harry Styles. Like, like people's people's association of her with the the uh, like other men and and that and the idea of her and her success coming her success in in being a public figure and being an artist and like creating work about her relationship with these people, um, and people kind of people are just like they don't like they don't like it when they people do not like it when women are able to you know gain things from the relationships with like with men in any way and are and it's like very clear but i think that in in her um oh this is this is the other thing i think taylor swift um and along with other like huge female artists another person that i would think of is like beyonce um who does this is i think like Mm -hmm. when you were what you were talking about in terms of when she when she was discussing how you know, making music and making an album with the expectation and knowledge that you're going to be doing a tour um, is so different from just like making music for to make music because, you know, when she's making yeah. it and it's clear when you listen to her albums when you listen to like Lover and Reputation and 1989 and whatever, there's certain songs that are like, okay, that's that's a song that is to like hype a crowd up and this is this the, and she talks about this ex- specifically and, ex- and explicitly like, okay, this is a song that is going to get headlines this is a song that the fans are going to really love and this is the song that we're going to we're going to have me all around the stadium when we're singing it you know like this is the one where there's gonna be like a huge mm-hmm. like a bunch of backup dancers and like but and so and she so she like very much credits and attributes the fact that um so many other people are involved in her ability to like do shows and and have the career that she does and she brings in so many other people like she's the way that like beyonce especially in like when you in like homecoming um in the documentary like you see Mm -hmm. how she brings in people and like creates creates work in that really specific like very hard work like that the the combination of like incredibly hard work and talent and also like not really wanting to be seen in the in the public eye in a way because because historically it's just been really bad like a combination of all of these things i think 
makes me think of makes me think of them as like they're both like these like icons of and, and fucking power horses of the pop music like industry and world and, and all of their f- and like their fans yeah. are insane but it's like the reason why they've been able to accumulate yeah. the amount of success that they have is because they're so good at a picking out people to work with who bring out the best in them and also able to attribute and um kind of celebrate the work of others that benefit them like like it's so clear how humble and grateful they are as people and as artists not only based in their own brilliance but also in in how they like are able to treat others like and it's just like it's so it's so cool to see (laughs) and also just the the mix of like privateness Mm -hmm. you know like we didn't know the backstory of homecoming until the homecoming documentary like we just saw the final product you know and so knowing that but also so like the the like the very strategically being a part of the public eye but still having this like like um you know finger on the pulse of what exactly knowing their fans fans yeah not in any Uh negative way but like like making it a point to have a relationship Mm -hmm. with Mm -hmm. their fans not with the public not with the people who criticize them but the people who make their career possible yes yes yeah and people who, you know, they want to respect the people who respect mm-hmm. them. And that, I think, also serves, it, it fulfills them creatively. Right. And it also provides the longevity exactly. of to see someone's full creativity yeah. and continue yeah. to grow. Like, Beyonce's yeah. not done. Taylor yeah. Swift is not done. We will see more from Exactly. And, um, it, and it will only get better. Like, it, it's, it's only ever gotten yes. better. Like, <laughs> and, and the thing is, is like, even you know being a lifelong Beyonce fan being a lifelong Taylor Swift fan it's like I am a fan of theirs and then they do something else and then that makes that like that yeah. rejuvenates it makes me more excited <laughs> and then yeah and then because I'm more excited they grow exactly like, it's, in, it's like a that, positive um, feedback you know, loop relationship where like Taylor Swift is makes makes work because she is good at it and likes to do it and her fans engage with it in such a way that inspires her to make more and then like Mm -hmm. you know and i think like but and simultaneously the sort of negative feedback that like you remember like with like the illuminati stuff that like like maybe in like 2013 or 2016 with like beyonce and like how that sparked how that was like a little like kind of an integral part to like some of her music and some of her albums in like the the themes mm-hmm. and the ways that it was talked about the same way that like in 1989 like blank space was like that like that it was and then later on like reputation which is kind of like an ele- which it, reputation is very much like an elevated version of 1989 i think in, in a lot of ways and because they followed one after he had yeah. another even though they really do not feel like albums that are that are back to back you know like they, in my mind they don't they don't exist as albums that came right one after the other but they are and i think the way that they deal with the similar themes of like you know like being a it, New York City girl also be like being in love and de- and dealing with like love and then also dealing with like the public yeah. eye I think like the way that thematically that is all like that is all explored from I like in blank space obviously or in, in 1989 blank space obviously which is like very clearly making fun of the way that she is talked about and not not just making fun of the way that she's talked about but I think she's in in interviews she's also said like well, it's camp. No, yeah, it's literally it's, camp. And the music video is incredible. Like, <laughs> it's because she, like, 
blank space is like she's like let me pull you aside. Yeah. Let me tell you how you sound yeah. to me. Like as like as the person who's the owner of the life that you are yeah. writing about, I'm going to write the article that you are inevitably going yeah, to write yeah, yeah. about me. And yeah. and, and that's like, how she's not only aware of her own fans, but she's aware of her but criticism. It, but then also it's going to become like one of my most Exa- popular ever. songs. Like yeah. I'm going to make my haters <laughs> yeah. love this. I'm gonna make people who who are like I'm. This is gonna be people's only favorite. <laughs> These are gonna be my fan favorites. Right. Like, everyone, there was. I think you sent a TikTok or maybe a post on Twitter that it was like, even though Blank Space is like literally one of her most popular songs, it's still underrated. Exactly. And you guys don't it's get it. like, still you guys don't underrated. Have it yeah, yeah. Exactly. Because it like, it's it, there. Like, <laughs> there are like layers. There are layers. <laughs> because. Because even if you are just the casual, average pop music enjoyer, <laughs> it is a good song. Right, 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 If right, you right. are a Swifty who, like, looks for eggs like it's your motherfucking yeah. job. Like, you're a professional hunter. <laughs> right, 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 right. For, like, the food and drug administration <laughs> of the United States. That's how you're fucking looking for these yeah. eggs in this song. It's right. a good song. If you just, like, you know, songs about yeah, crazy yeah, yeah. women, whatever, it's a good song. Like, there's... If if you are a fan of like the men that you think that she's writing yeah. in this song, it is still exactly. an song. Like, there are so many different. There's so many ways you can appreciate if, it. If just like the way uh-huh, that it's uh-huh. written, yes. Yeah. And, and that's not even getting right. into the music video. That's not so even getting into the visuals good. that she attaches so to good. the story. And I think, and her like crying <laughs> with the makeup and her like bashing in the like, the, yes. the sports oh car and like. And like taking a knife and her to the, standing to the on the horse, whoa! Like, literally genius. Like she's she's a genius. Oh, and yeah. this is the other thing. She, I think I saw this in an interview, but Taylor Swift was talking about how, you know, uh, she was like in making Blank Space. She's like, you know, I thought it was really interesting hearing about the way me- the media talked about me, and and uh, it was interesting thinking about wow, this person that they're writing about, like. She seems really cool. Like, like I don't like that's not me, but like she's that's a really cool bitch. Like that's mm-hmm. <laughs> that's a really cool person. Um, I should write a song about that. And that was kind of like what Blank Space is about. Like the like it's not only just her like the idea of her, but also her idea of like someone who is not even mm-hmm. her. Like it's like a characterized version of herself that is both. It's like like a drag a drag persona. persona of her. Yeah, that's an amalgamation of yeah, like who she who she is and who she projects herself to be and what others perceive her to be. Oh my god, so perfect. And I think like the way that that self awareness kind of moves over into reputation. And like I remember when reputation was released, I was like, damn, she's wild. Like <laughs> like I was like, this is really crazy. Like she like okay okay um and. I, I mean, I still I, at that point, I think I I didn't really know what opinion I was supposed to have of her. Like, I really just didn't know. Um, mm-hmm. I wasn't really. It changed exactly Ex- that in that era. It was so. every other day because something came out, and you were like, um, okay. Every other day, you were wrong and uh-huh. you hated her, or you yeah, were wrong yeah, and you loved yeah. her, and and at any moment, like any, if if just even if your take or your opinion just happened to get on the wrong side of Twitter <laughs> at whatever moment. Like, if you said something against Taylor Swift that ended up on uh-huh. Swifty, take, or Swifty Twitter, you were dead. dead yeah. <laughs> if you said something, like, for, it, yeah. like, vice versa, it was just, like, 
terrible yes. time on the internet. The use of the snake emoji. <laughs> terrible, terrible time. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, and it's oh. just... Oh, I was going to say this uh, during about this era, but when... Uh, th- throwback. Rewind. When we're talking about... Um, Taylor Swift and mm-hmm. Beyonce, in the way that like Taylor Swift is very much a Sagittarius, a Beyonce Virgo, yeah, a Virgo, but like the relationship, the way that the their signs show yeah. their creative, like them as like very talented people, very mm-hmm. hardworking people, and then those yeah. signs being yeah. their respect, it's just it makes it so really much does, sense. But, yeah, and yeah. and like as someone who my mom has like the same place big three placements as Taylor Swift. <laughs> And, yeah. um, yeah, yeah. The, like, it's so interesting Interesting to see because it is so clear that Taylor Swift, she has the, the many personas from her musical eras to the way that she interacts with the public, with her fans, with obviously, I mean, we don't know this, but, like, the individual people in her, in her personal life and the snippets that we get to see and then her with herself and, like, you know, her with her loved ones and the people that she's dating. Like, there's there's these different, like, layers to, to her um, and, like, there's layers. layers there's literally guys. layers like layers. it's and it's like so it's like so fucking it's like whoa like that 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 is really just like that is a, that is a woman that is a woman who is very complex and intelligent and has so many like layers to her and i also think like she um she uh, that one interview where she's like my life does not naturally gravitate towards being cool sexy and (laughs) glamorous like my life Mm -hmm. and i think like i feel like folklore and evermore are kind of kind of the the kind of example of of that and in the way that she had to she was like talking about the process of like creating the visuals for the album and stuff and like how she kind of had to do everything herself because it was the pandemic and she she didn't she didn't want to have her team like fly out when she said like can I DIY yeah. this? And then it, I was just in that moment. I was like, "There's definitely a board <laughs> that is <laughs> that's just called like album cover, and it's very millennial. It's like very like yes. the one Bo Burnham song that's like on Instagram, Instagram. That's her, is, literally like, her. Pinterest board. Yeah. And it was just when when those words came out of her mouth. There's just something so innocently millennial. Oh God! Literally, literally, so funny. She's so she's so cute. I love her. And <laughs> um oh oh okay. You know what's so funny? I was also thinking about this. In terms of the ways that like her past eras relate to like her current ones, remember how in um in in red the iconic line. Um, uh, hiding away to listen to your indie records that are so much cooler than mine. Like, <laughs> I think it's like so fucking full circle because, like, the mm. fact that, like, like yes. she in this song she's writing about yes. her boyfriend who is a like a bully and a loser, Dismissive. right? And thinks her work is stupid because she makes like pop music, um, or. Or the uh, the other insinuation is that she listens to like bad music or like doesn't listen to cool enough music like he yeah. does. When obviously, like we know from this interview that she's loved the 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 big indie boy, like you know, like snobbish music mm-hmm. nerd bands of you know Bonnie Bear and like the National yeah. and whatever for 
what would be seen as like exactly pretentious right every like like she like she's been the pretentious music enjoyer but because people like the perception of her and also the way that i'm sure within her relationships that's like worked out versus now in her relationship with joe writing said pretentious indie songs with those people to make an alternative album like literally so funny and so full circle the way they and like another one of the other things in this interview that i thought was so like sweet was how um zane was kind of like you know a lot of people view you as this like conniving woman who is who just manipulates her way to the top but what's interesting is that from knowing you and your your experience in the industry you a lot of the a lot of your success and a lot of (laughs) and beyond just your own hard work and talent is and a lot of the things that have happened to you in a positive way like it has just been like luck just like pure um just pure luck and and chance and like i think that this little detail of like oh my god this this idea this theme of like her earlier like pop music being like people you know pretentious people look down on it because it's not like quote unquote like real music or whatever versus like now the work that she's making like it's it that is such an interesting Mm -hmm. it's interesting how the world works it's interesting how everything comes full circle and like like she gets the last laugh like every time and it's literally so satisfying to see especially i mean even in the aftermath of like but that's what happens when you and you're correct when you're when you're in the right and you have always been in the right like i was gonna say it was like taylor swift has always (laughs) right like when we demonize her and then two years passed and everyone's like oh we kind of just bullied exactly reason we kind of like tried to destroy her and she didn't do anything wrong that has happened on multiple occasions and it also happens like like you know even though we talk about how she's like maturing she's not like i mean she's getting smarter like mm-hmm. with time you just get smarter <laughs> right. with time but like she has always been yeah this smart yeah. You know? but like, like obviously intelligence like, when she mm-hmm. wrote that line it's not that it was like a right. self drag that she didn't think her music was <laughs> yeah. as good as her the music that her boyfriend she was like she knew that she was a right. musical genius she knew the creative validity and the the validity in her lyricism at that time and was making fun of the people who just write her off because uh-huh. she makes pop music when she's like no you're actually the dumb one for not being able exactly. to appreciate a different exactly. genre when I myself am the pretentious yeah. music enjoyer and this exactly. is the music that I write like um, and I, I feel like she's so especially with like, like Renegade oh. it took because Renegade is literally made with, you know, mm-hmm. obviously, like, Aaron Dessner and, like, Justin Renan and you know, herself and another, someone else, I think. Like, but with Renegade and the, <laughs> and the Great Machine, um, the, like, the project, it's such an, it, Renegade kind of gives me the vibe. And it's also because, you know, we're, we're about to get, um, we're going to get Red, Taylor's version soon as well. It gives me such a combination of, like, Red meets, like, Folklore yeah, Evermore TV. vibes in this, in, in in this really wonderful way that I can't, I can't really fully explain, but like, it just makes sense to me. Like it, it is the, it is the in-between point. Big Red Machine is the in-between point between Red TV yeah. and like Evermore. Well, Big Red Yeah, TV. literally, literally like it's... Big <laughs> Red Machine. Like it's literally... It's oh my in the God. name. Yeah. It wasn't, wait. I think... Big Machine Records was... I mean, the memes of... Was Big Machine Records like the the kind of what was it the like production company or whatever that she was signed under with like scooter braun i don't remember 
Maybe. But I think that's funny. The the, the many ways in which, oh, yeah, yeah, the yeah, many yeah, yeah, ways yeah. in which that yeah. this, like, product could be interpreted. <laughs> uh. No. for I mean, but also, like, it would be her. Because uh, uh, Aaron mm-hmm. Dessner, in the other interview where he talks about mm-hmm. working with Taylor Swift, Taylor Swift isn't in it, the mm-hmm. one that I sent you, um, he even said he's like, I look for the, like... Yeah, I look for the Easter eggs. eggs She drops. (laughs) I like, even though, like, I'm the creative partner in it, because, like, she's Uh so good at it, and she does it in such, like, like, I don't even know what she says. (laughs) But, like, in this this very uh, impressed Mm -hmm. and, like, in a way of adoration, and, like, she's such, she is a genius Mm -hmm. on multiple levels. Like, it's kind of like, you know, there are people who have talent but can't Mm -hmm. cultivate it, Mm -hmm. you know? Or there are people who have, like, one creative facet mm-hmm. and like she is a on all on the multiple on, layers. on the her like, right. the day <laughs> layers, layers layers like her ability to just but, like, have ownership over her her public perception and her relationship with her fans as well as mm-hmm. her control of her artistry as well as the control like the way that her artistry and her relationship like they work together but also like how she has to give up a lot of that control to do tours to do her performances and stuff and like and she was also in this interview she was also talking about how like it trying to figure out you know when and if she does like the folklore or evermore or you know even lover like live performances or shows or Mm -hmm. anything like how that would even work because obviously she didn't write folklore with a a fucking show in mind like but she did say that she's looking forward to like she knows she well first of all i think it's so interesting how aware she is of what she can predict what lyrics will st- stick mm-hmm. out to her mm-hmm. fans you know for certain reasons and she said that she's looking forward to hearing you know her fans scream like what a shame yeah, <laughs> yeah. you know to her like right, at her right. and she said that like even though all too well is also one of her uh-huh, saddest uh-huh. fucking songs she loves uh-huh. performing that song everyone fucking loves it yes yes yeah, and so, like, there's, like, things like that where it's another thing where I think people who, not just, like, non-Swifties, mm-hmm. but people who are actively anti-Taylor yeah. Swift or who are dismissive of Why her do work, you hate joy? Why do the, you not love love? Well, like, the connection yeah, yeah. That, that she has <coughs> and that, like, she likes not only performing because she is a mm-hmm. performer and she is good at it, but also then the chemistry... Yeah. That she gets to feel exactly, with yeah, her fans. and it's like, and like that is a valuable right. thing. And in fact, it's like, I'm sorry, but if I had to do meet and greets on a lo- tour that I was on for a year, I would not be nice. I would not be a nice person. <laughs> but but the yeah. fact that consistently all of her fans who ever meet her, well, you're a camp counselor <laughs> right now, and you're barely nice to the kids. Never, I'm not nice to them. Oh my god, I'm like. This so, like how, it's the, the idea of you doing meet and greets with strangers. No, no game over. Game no, literally, like I'm like over. the amount of like emotional energy that she is able to just sustain to be able to be battered by well media and also interacting with people who like don't know her and don't care to as well as people who like love her um Mm -hmm. but you know obviously don't know her personally like love her work and like and like my friends who have met her and who have like spent time with her um or or, like been in her meet and greets or whatever she invited exactly yeah like i know we all know this like i know we all know that this happened that's crazy that's crazy 
to the level of her yeah. fame. Like, not like, oh, uh, you know, some mm-hmm. local artist or even some regional famous <coughs> artist mm-hmm. invited someone to their house. Taylor <laughs> yeah. Swift had in multiple home multiple like, cities the world yeah invited swaths of yeah. fans into her yeah. abode where she sleeps <laughs> like that is so and then to play her unreleased yeah. music yeah for like, their it's ears crazy like this woman is crazy but like incredible you know oh my god and and, and like mm-hmm. she's just so like her her ability to just she, again have her just be on top of what she on her fans of like knowing what they know like like um oh my god what was it Uh, why do why why did my mind just slip with it's the blank space in my mind that is my brain um (laughs) you've got a blank blank space space. baby i'll write your name um (laughs) um, Ah. uh, what was it Mm -hmm. oh no, it wasn't that. Anyway, I literally, literally head empty. I don't remember what I was going to say. Um, um well, I I mm-hmm. have another point. Um, I think for Taylor Swift, one thing that really interests, I think like her ability to Ben Young, Ben, um, like demonized for dating men as a young woman mm-hmm. having a shitty manager and then mm-hmm. coming out on the other side and still having fruitful fruitful creative relationships with other men i think mm-hmm. is very interesting um and mm-hmm. like in the interview that we're that's like the shared media she talks about her talking to ed sheeran you know as a friend mm-hmm. and just as another creative and i think that that's really nice to see because I think like a a painted version of so many iconic pop people or people in the in the public uh arena is that they're just like in this constant cycle of negative relationships with men and they just kind of go from like Mm -hmm. one shitty manager to another shitty manager kind of like Mm -hmm. a Judy Garland or Mm -hmm. Britney Spears in her conservatorship Mm -hmm. and that there's like this constant like women who should be (laughs) very um, autonomous and who have earned mm-hmm. their autonomy still being owned by shitty men and I think like her ability I mean to what we know right to now to break free of it yeah, and to, to be able of, to be the one to initiate these other relationships yeah, and maintain them is, she's just so strong for that it's like, just, it, <laughs> I hope it's like a good like move in the direction and especially yeah of the past like i feel like past month or so there's just been this like new batch of very concerning relationships of young famous girls mm. right now yeah like just, with millie bobby brown millie and bobby like olivia brown. rodrigo um, um even with olivia rodrigo and billy mm-hmm. eilish um, yeah 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 and billy who all are in Mm-hmm. Uh, like, they're all in relationship with the dudes who are like five ten years older than them yeah and like, um like power imbalance and just mm-hmm. various imbalances going on that yeah. does not yeah. like really yeah you know like well, that something kind of that i think just i hope something that, that i think is uh, anyway, i just love that, that, that this that. like shortens the cycle you know like it's not that taylor yeah. just hasn't had any poor 
relationships uh-huh. with men, obviously. Uh-huh. Um, but that, like, you know, it's not... Because she, she, like, she's yeah. very much encouraging other people to, like, learn from her mistakes, like, as an artist and as a person, yeah. right? Or even, um, like, with Paris Hilton. I mean, mm-hmm. still, we haven't... Like, she... she she was, you know, and still is very famous, but, like, of the early 2000s, like, of the same era as Britney mm-hmm. Spears. And at the point of where Taylor Swift is in her career didn't have, like, that break or that turn, you know? Mm-hmm. And Taylor mm-hmm. Swift, I think, just, like, by the, of when she, you know, growing up and, like, just the trajectory of her career has been able to make this turn. And I think that hopefully this is a better sign that, like, of the pop girlies in the future, like, of the next 20 Mm -hmm. years, you know, or something like that, that, Mm -hmm. like, it will happen with less frequency, and we'll have, like, less of a grasp on Mm -hmm. women's careers in the pop industry that they have in the past. Yeah. Something that I think is, has been really integral to Taylor Swift's career, and her, you know, coming up from being in the industry from a young age um, and, well, something that she says in this interview is, like, you don't know how the music industry works until you're in it, right? So, like, she, there's, there's no way for her younger self to have known to not get into certain relationships with certain people in the industry, to not have done certain things, you know? <clears throat> but it was also, it, it, it's also been so, like, it's, it's so interesting to see, like, how Taylor Swift has always had a very publicly good relationship with her family and her parents, and has, you know, like, always credited them for helping her succeed, for helping her chase her dreams, helping her, you know, and it's, like, so sweet to, like, see. And, like, and I also think it's, like, Taylor Swift, despite having having had all the privileges of, like, a wealthy white, white like, girl in America, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> trying to pursue, like, music, um, and with parents who support her and love her so much and, like, uh, very much protected her as much as they could, right? Like, I, I, it's like, I feel like that is kind of that 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 has been kind of a key difference, and like the support systems and networks that she's been able to have, probably a key difference between her and a lot of her peers of the same era mm-hmm. and the teenagers who were teenagers when she was a teenager and yeah. also they're also famous, in terms of them dealing with like substance abuse or you know in like being in and out of like or something yeah right 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 or or like Demi Lovato or mm-hmm. uh, like you know other people where it's like Miley like, Cyrus I, even yeah yeah exactly like when you like and it's now crazy we're learning that, more about her relationship with her dad that we weren't or like right, right that you know we weren't uh-huh. privy of before that also is a difference yeah. between, or, or even like or like Britney Spears mm-hmm. as well, right? Like all these people where I'm like, like Taylor Swift was Taylor Swift was really truly so lucky for the amount of support that she had when she was so young, and mm-hmm. I think like she really is trying to give back in that way in trying to in supporting young artists now in trying to create an industry that's like safer and more fair for like people um, and for artists. And Which it's, I think it's is really... why it's so shitty when she gets mm-hmm. put as this, uh, as the face of like the problem of white women in the music industry, or like yeah. why the industry is racist yeah. and it's single handedly Taylor mm-hmm. Swift's fault. It's like yeah, uh, 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 no, <laughs> no, like the, the music industry has a white supremacy problem and a you know and a sexism uh-huh. problem and 
a fat phobia problem because those problems already exist in society and this is an extension right. of capitalism it is not because taylor yeah, swift yeah, yeah. is a creative person who has yeah. become very successful like yeah yeah anyways like she's been able she's been able to succeed like of course because we live in the world that we do mm-hmm. but also but that's like the same for anyone who has the same identity it, that is and is literally successful right that is true for any any really famous rich person ever right yeah. like come on um oh there's one other thing i wanted to say before oh yeah I, my i think my last like thought on this is that t- like taylor swifton and the the more vulnerable pieces of media that we get to see of her for everything from like the art she creates right like her most recent releases to um like miss americana the documentary on netflix which for, was valid um, in being in our thread if you haven't quote retweeted our thread yeah this is <laughs> our, our mood thread this yeah. entire conversation is for all of the people who are like why was miss americana in this thread this fucking episode <laughs> we're gonna go back through our mentions and everyone who says that we're gonna tag yeah. you in this episode yes. we're gonna send you a link i mean like this is why miss americana is in that fucking sapphic media thread and why exactly. it's one of our favorite pieces it of deserves to be exactly, exactly. it deserves to be um like we're gonna add this interview for the venus signs this is gonna be one of the pieces of <laughs> this is the interview <laughs> oh my god uh what is her venus i need to look it up anyway um <laughs> I, I don't remember um the way like the the like celebrity astrology charts like <laughs> googling history on my phone like <laughs> Anyway, um, the last the last thing I was gonna say was that like Taylor Swift and like this interview and you know all the other pieces of media that we've been able to see like you know her truer selves. Mm-hmm. Um, it she just it just makes me so excited to like be in my thirties to like get older to get wiser get more experiences because I'm like because think like in thinking of her when she was like my age now and ha- me when I'm gonna be her age now like. Um, thinking about all of that, and I'm like, wow, the things that I was proud of for doing, the things that I am proud of doing, the things that I enjoy creating and and, and, and am proud of myself for doing now, like, how how much is that going to be improved and changed and bettered, but still be, but still resonate and still ring true and still, like, be found within my future, like, the, these little, not even the Easter eggs, but, like, these themes that kind of can be found through, like, your work and your life like it it, like seeing her go through all of that and like all the things that she like she did like Mm -hmm. it's just so like on it like i i'm i'm very excited i'm very excited for for my maturation as like a person and artist and like uh, you know just uh, like a creator because to see someone do it so gracefully in spite of everything and also still be so humble and giving and like able like willing to support other like artists and like and and be so committed to like her craft it's just so inspiring like she is literally such a bay love Uh, (laughs) yes i agree because it reminded me of of now listening to 22 now as (laughs) as two years Mm -hmm. versus like i feel Uh like the age gap between me and taylor swift well not me it's one person but everyone who's like Mm -hmm. my age and taylor swift Mm -hmm. is that like because there's been that like decade or so it's like it's always Mm -hmm. been like like she's never been 
a full adult older than me, but obviously, like, yeah, yeah, still yeah. significantly older than me. So now that, yeah. you know, being, like, 12 and screaming the lyrics to 22, imagining, like, oh, that's when I'm, like, I'm going to listen to this song when I'm yeah. 22, which, like, at this uh-huh. rate, it's very possible. Duh. But, <laughs> but then now being, like, okay, now I'm, like, entering my 20s and she's entering her 30s and listening to her mm-hmm. sing about being, like, oh, like, is this what my relationships are going to feel like? when I get there, Mm -hmm. and then, like, being excited, Mm -hmm. being, like, okay, when I turn, you know, 31, and then she's making an album about going into her 40s, like, am I gonna, like, I'm gonna be, like, okay, Taylor, I'm here, what do I do next, you know, and it was, like, yeah, exactly, when I was, like, in first grade, and she's talking about going into high school, and I'm, like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna play this when I turn 15, or, like, on my first day of high school, (laughs) you know, or something like that, and then I do, and then she's talking about being in her 20s. And so I'm like, okay, I'm going to turn 20. <laughs> and then, like, yeah, and then yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's just like, it's hashtag our love lasts so long. Back to the beginning is like, yes. Our, <laughs> like, our love for Taylor Swift. Like, as long, e- even, you know, knock on wood, I don't want her to die or anything. But like, her, she is already yeah. reached a fame that her legacy, like, is secured. Like, she's not going to be uh-huh. out of public yeah. culture for, like, at least the next... A long ass time. At a least, century. Uh, yeah, Come on, at least. Years. Like, it's going to be a hundred uh-huh. years before she goes into obscurity by any... Like, uh-huh. from when she, like, passes. So we still have, like, a good 50 years or so, and then yeah. another hundred. <laughs> yeah. So... Right, like, right, right. As long as there is Taylor Swift, I will be yeah. a fan of Taylor Swift. Like, I, I will yeah, be looking exactly. to her. So, no, exactly. She's, Karl she's Marx like she's and like, Taylor Swift. Those are my two. Who are my two besties? Who are my two inspirations? My, my besties. My who fans. are your two favorite no, writers oh. of the past like, 150 years? I say Karl Marx and Taylor Swift. And Taylor Swift. Stalin, Karl Marx, Lennon, and I think Taylor Swift. Actually, I'm just gonna yeah. tag it. <laughs> Guys, no, it's like people that you have to read. Angela <laughs> Davis, Walter Rodney, Frantz Fanon, Taylor Swift, you know, like the, the classics, like really, really into big three. Um, I'm a yeah. Karl Marx son, uh, Angela Davis man, and a Taylor Swift fan. I think. So. <laughs> oh my god, wait, okay, what do you think your Taylor Swift album, like, big three are? Like, what, what do you think? I think think reputation son right <laughs> yeah yeah as as an aries right uh-huh. i feel like that's a fire well i could i guess it yeah. could be more scorpio but i feel like of her mm, or but there's mm. red red could also be a very fire mm. sign album yeah yeah uh, but no reputation is like... gayer reputation is about a fallout of a very yeah. gay relationship so i'm gonna take <laughs> Reputation right, sign, right, right, for, right, that, right, right. for that reason. Reputation sign, indeed, yes. As a Gemini moon, I think I'm gonna go. Uh, mm, I might go fearless because mm. loves. Um, no, not loves. Um, the story of us. Oh my gosh, the chorus mm-hmm. of the story of us. I don't think I barely know the verses, but I know that chorus. <laughs> It came on shuffle one time, and I don't think I'd, I'd listened oh to it God. for years. And I'm like, why do I know uh-huh. the key change, every note, every run? I'm like, why is this so deeply ingrained oh into my, my brain? Oh, my God. So for that reason, that is it, my moon. Your DNA. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and then my rising, just selfishly, I'm going to say evermore. I don't care if that's accurate or mm-hmm. not. It's just 
That's my <laughs> I'm a very good person. So selfishly, uh, I'm I feel like it works. Like yeah, so, I feel like Evermore and Folklore have like Earth sign vibes. So uh, to summarize, because it took me a while to think of those: um, Reputation Sun, uh, mm-hmm. Fearless Moon, Evermore Rising. Yeah, yeah. I think that's accurate, for sure. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm definitely a... Mm, I think I think I'm a reputation rising, because, you know... Um, <laughs> I, I, oh, you're rising I, I think Gemini. I'm reputation rising. You're Gemini rising, right? Exactly, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I think I'm yeah, a reputation yeah. rising. Um, I think I'm a folklore moon. Um, for Capricorn? Because, listen. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. as a Cancer sun, I think... I have I think an idea. I'm probably a lover. I'm probably a lover, son. Oh. <laughs> or maybe yeah, 1989. Yeah. Oh, that's not what I was thinking. Well, I was thinking of those as possibilities. Yeah. I was thinking self-titled cancer for cancer. Yeah, everyone says that, but I'm like, I've never listened to debut. Never. Like, in its entirety. Really? Because, yeah, because, I mean, I, like, cause, because I was just never really into, like, country music. And plus, I was so young mm-hmm. when it was a hit that... Mm-hmm. I never heard any of, like, just didn't hear any of the songs. So, like, it's just not something that I feel like I would, I'd resonated with. One of like, my best friends was a huge Taylor Swift fan, like, in elementary school, so during mm-hmm. self-titled. Um, mm-hmm. And so I definitely heard it. But also just, like, a couple of months ago when I was dipping my toes back into, like, the cult of Swiftyism, not just, like, being a Taylor mm-hmm. Swift enjoyer, I was going to mm-hmm. try and listen to her entire uh, discography, like, from start mm-hmm. to finish, like, each album in order, and then I ended up giving mm-hmm. up, because self-titled, ooh, there are some bangers, <laughs> but, and it's not bad, right. it's not bad, listen, in elementary school, I would have thought it was a little <laughs> listen, genius, and I'm sure listen, that not bad. Taylor's like 15, <laughs> but knowing yeah. what would come after, it's no, exactly. to listen to, in, in the context no. of it was first born, right. banger, Yeah. but we yeah, have yeah, several yeah. albums since then. So it's very difficult right. to listen to now when I know exactly when you know that you can be listening to folklore nevermore. It's hard no, to exactly. choose to listen to self titled. Yeah, yeah. But it's it's still. I, good. I'm I'm excited for Taylor's version Red because there's gonna be so many songs from the vault, and I'm like, okay. there's certain songs in Red that I'm like, this is a banger. Like I mean, I love All Too Well, of course. Who doesn't? Mm-hmm. Um, and I love all her, all the pop hits on that album. So so iconic. I mm-hmm. I played. We are never ever getting back together on the piano, like the nobody's business. Like when I when I was twelve, girl, like no, <laughs> I had the sheet music and everything. Listen, so <laughs> well, my, an iconic. Um, not to bring up my beloveds, of course, I have to at least once an episode right. Evelyn Hugo, Celia St. James. Um, uh-huh. The lucky ones is uh, yeah, yeah, is yeah. a very iconic um, one of the canonical songs of that ship the canonical song that it's about uh, so i'm excited for that because i think evelyn hugo twitter is gonna go pretty freaking crazy about that um but also the Mm -hmm. memes about the what the one 10 minute long song is gonna be and like it's ed sheeran rapping for six minutes or like it's like it's like taylor swift is like i have a 10 minute song and it's like the worst song you've ever heard or something yeah (laughs) 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 i wonder if she'll reference that as a joke 
at some point. I know. Well, it's like because because like, in an interview she talks about how it, like she the the joke that she recognized from her fans was mm-hmm. the, the fact that she uses these like SAT words and like and and she <laughs> talked about how like she's such a nerd because she was like she's like. Yeah, I have, like, a collection of, like, words and phrases that I just really like and I really want to use, so I kind of sprinkle them throughout all my songs, and I'm like, girl. And two of them was Epiphany what kind and of... Incandescent. Yeah. It's like, girl, <laughs> yes, touch exactly. grass. I know you literally, live in a forest, what kind of... but touch yes. grass. <laughs> no, she's literally, like, she's literally, like, the 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 gay English teacher simp in of the classroom. Like, that's literally her. Literally. <laughs> no, so it's like, I'm so... Well, also, it's like, she's such a musical genius. Yet, me is a part of her discography. So, <laughs> you know, it's just like, <laughs> in the way, you know, not to continue these parallels of Karl Marx and Taylor Swift, just because they are, you know, very smart and intelligent does not make them absolved of criticism. And me, I think, is really, you know, was Karl Marx racist? Is me a good song? Equal moralizing questions here. <laughs> we need to think about it. And so, you know, we it's just like this 10 minute song. It. Like, Bestie, are we getting like 10 minutes and it's the quality of happiness? Or, mm-hmm. and, and I'm not mean the feeling, I mean the song that is actually not happy. The, at all the song. Very sad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, is it, you know, what, what are we working with? I can't always trust you yeah. with your collabs and very lengthy songs because I never know what I'm going right. to get sometimes. Yeah, because Bay, listen. Listen, sometimes it's Brendan Yuri and sometimes it's the, it's the Heim sisters. Yeah, exactly. What, what is it going to be? Sometimes it's what? like a surprise Kelly uh, or um, Kobe Calais, you know, background yeah. vocals. Like, please let me know what we're working with here. Like, No, we, we would like the context. Yeah. We would. Um, uh, exactly. Not that I don't trust you, but you give me reason to question. Sometimes, sometimes the judgment is off. You are still a say. white woman and therefore need to be checked she, just once in a no, while. No, she's literally, she's a, she's a millennial. Mm-hmm. She's a millennial. She is the millennial she, with anxiety. She literally is. Oh my God. Okay, we have, uh, to, we're really getting back to our season one roots of just the longest fucking yes. conversations about Taylor Swift. And we haven't even done the recommendations. So, with this, oh my god, uh, we've done enough full circles for the conversation. Um, we've said our final thoughts. Indeed. Let's get into our quick recs. We're uh, and uh, okay. I know I said we're going into recommendations. I know I've dropped the ball on the thread. This episode, I promise, I'm speaking it. It will be released, uh-huh. and therefore I have to do it. I will be updating the recommendations uh-huh. thread, but also uh-huh. you can uh, check and also recommend us things on our Patreon. You can look us up on Patreon. Um, the Lavender Menace on there. And it's always linked in our description. Yes, for, and interact you know, with us there. As well. So before we get into the end of the Please episode, I wanted do. to plug that. Yes, indeed. Anyways, um, so, Sunny, <clears throat> so tell me, tell me your recommendations for me and the audience this week. Mm. So, okay. So something that, back, like in regards to the Taylor Swift interview, in one of, she talked about how tolerate it is inspired by Rebecca de Maurier or no sorry Daphne de Maurier's book Rebecca and how it's about like she's reading about the, the story about how like wow this these people <laughs> this woman is just doing so much for her husband and he just doesn't care about her and so it that really made me think like so I always see these TikToks that are like if you like Evermore as an album read these books and it's just like you know like the great Gatsby and Rebecca and it's like okay girl let's 
Where's the divine? Where is the divine? Where is the divine? Where is the divine by Ellie Eaton? Oh my god. But um, I haven't finished this book yet, but the the it's a short story collection. It's, it's called Get in Trouble by Kelly Link. It I think it was a Pulitzer Prize finalist in 2016. And the first story in it just gives me Ivy by Taylor Swift vibes so hard. It's a it's a short story, so like I'm sure I could probably like read it to you personally at some point in the future, but like it, it just gives me because it's about it's it's set in this sort of like small town, small rural rural town, and this girl has her father who is like an alcoholic and uh and kind of abandons her. And then we follow her as she gets really sick one day at school, and her, but her dad is in another town trying to find Jesus or whatever. And then this girl at school who's like rumored to be a lesbian or whatever <laughs> takes her home um, and like takes care of her basically as she's, you know, very sick. And we kind of find out that there's like this magical world that our main character has to tend to. And because she's sick, she can't. So the girl that takes her home and takes care of her then goes in her place and goes to this literal like cottage, this magical cottage in the woods that has these creatures in it that like create these little items that like are like, and, and this these like luscious, oh my God, it's just so evermore folk, like very much evermore vibes, very much Ivy by Taylor Swift. Like, like literally the whole time I was reading that short story, I was like, no, wait a minute. And that's and like that element of like magical realism and like rural American like American like country like country like like you know southern but fuck nowhere type of type of vibes like that you know the energy of that of that you know the the vibe of that like American small this fictional small town like that literally it's so well encompassed in in, in that way. Um, while maintaining this like this magic and whimsy that was just so good. Uh, I, I'm forgetting the title of the short story itself, but it's the first one in Get in Trouble by Kelly Link. So yeah, that, that would be my recommendation. Very, very fun. Also, before I get into mine, mm-hmm. is speaking, just every time I say Ivy by Taylor Swift, like that phrase in completion, mm-hmm. it sounds like it's like a scent, and it's really making me miss the times when pop girls used to come out with fragrances for their yes. albums. Because I think Ivy, as in like a gender neutral, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. like cologne perfume by Taylor Swift, and like the commercial would looking, would slap like, so looking hard. like the, the Willow music video kind of thing, and it's like yeah. Ivy yeah, yeah, by yeah. Taylor Swift. That would go. Oh, it so would literally go crazy. Especially since like, she has one. She has Wonderstruck. Um, exactly. So I think Ivy would be really cool. Taylor Swift, yeah. if you are oh, listening, wait. if this if this happens yeah. to be the thing that of yeah. fans yeah. that you hear, please make a, a scent. Please make an Ivy scent. Oh, actually, the the book is or the short story is called The Summer People, and the Goodreads description is: A young girl in rural North Carolina serves as uneasy caretaker to the mysterious, never quite glimpsed visitors who inhabit the cottage behind her house. Like you know, it's just it's so. Tell me, tell me how like it's very it's very much giving folklore evermore. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Anyways, <laughs> great. I, I, since it's a short story, I'm sure you'll end up reading it to me. 
it, whether I ask or against my will, I just know that you, you it's a to hostage me situation will happen. I mean, I'm sure I'm gonna enjoy right. it, but that doesn't necessarily right. mean that when it happens, I'm going to have asked for it to happen. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I'm down. Uh, my recommendation <laughs> is I recently binge watched uh, Fosse Verdon, and oh, the my justification for this uh, in regards to this episode is about creative genius. People who are right. redefining their field, their craft, also um, <laughs> crediting the person that you are in a romantic relationship with your creative endeavors and projects and legacies. So, Fosse Verdon is the uh, mini series. So, hopefully, you'll be down to watch it. Um, mm-hmm. About Bob Fosse and Gwen Verdon, obviously, who are these mammoths of Broadway. Um, and I mean, I, I, like, not to, like, be condescending, but, like, if you don't know who Bob Fosse is, like, he's, like, the father of modern Broadway, and what is an amazing choreographer and director, he did All That Jazz, which is his, um, autobiographical movie, he did Chicago, and Damn Yankees, and Sweet Charity, but the gag is, like, he didn't really do that, because the... Or, like, he did, but the imagery and what we associate with the Fosse style of dancing indirectly is so, like, to its fundamentals influenced and also, like, created by Gwen Verdon, who was his wife, yet she is not credited as the director, as the choreographer, as, like, Mm. like, she does not have the level of awards or legacy that he had and even um he died in 87 and she died in 2000 and after his death there was this like um like remembrance show musical tour whatever and called Fosse even though all of the works that are in the show about his legacy they worked on and created together she was the one who fought for 15 years for them to get the rights to chicago she was the one who like made all these shows and jesus and the miniseries uh is so good it's based off of the book fossey and um they have one kid nicole fossey who's Mm -hmm. the um child of gwen and bob and she's one of the executive producers on the show like was Mm -hmm. actually involved in it um, which gives, like, you know, not just, like, a cash the cre- uh-huh. crap thing. It was, it's, like, good. Um, <clears throat> a creative project. Yeah. And uh, it's just, uh, like, every summer I go through a Broadway phase. Last summer I watched Cabaret and all that jazz and got into a small little Gwen and Bob thing and then I found Patty Lapone. so if you know me in real life you know that I became obsessed with Patty Lapone last summer and so this summer I'm going back into my Broadway phase and <laughs> I say that like it was something that passed when I literally like bought a Jesse Mueller yeah. concert like not in the summer so it's, it, there's really no sense of me oh my calling God. this a summer Broadway phase when it happens year round but anyways it's a lifelong yeah. phase um a theater kid lifestyle but anyways it's not a phase this, and so it's just the like uh it's 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 a good mini series because the actors are good and it's as a creative mm-hmm. project is good it is also good because right. you get this inside scoop of this story and this relation in this creative relationship and literal artistic genius um that mm-hmm. has shaped the past 
like since 58 to now has shaped how um, musicals are choreographed and directed and the style yeah. of Fosse and what that means. And um, so if you're just a musical theater enjoyer, like I am uh, very interesting. Also, like Gwen <laughs> Verdon is like the original triple threat because she literally could sing, dance, and act. Um, uh huh. And oh, oh, I could talk about it forever. I will not, but I've, I've already talked about it too much. <laughs> but that is my recommendation. Mm-hmm. And it's on Hulu. It is nice. on Hulu. I don't know if I mentioned that. Gotcha. Okay. So that's our episode for today. Hope you enjoyed. So fucking long. So long. But if you don't enjoy it, then sucks for you. And if you do, you should subscribe to us on Patreon. Haha. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you can find us on Twitter at the Lavender Pod. Email us your hot takes or your thoughts or your reactions at the Lavender Menace Podcast at gmail.com. And you can find me on Twitter at a sunny book nook and on YouTube at a sunny book nook where I make booktube videos and on Instagram at sunny with a camera. And you can follow me on Twitter at Renaissance First E's and X. And it's tagged on our uh, at the Lavender Pod bio, so you can find me there. And my Instagram is at Renaissance Marie, and also my YouTube channel that I keep not posting videos at, uh, Renaissance Marie. So <laughs> super fun, super fun. That's clips. all for today, folks. Mm-hmm. Um, bye, bye.